0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to Episode 62, Worst Rescue Ever. This week, we're discussing the 2010 Doctor Who New Year's special, The End of Time, Part 2, and Season 1, Episode 2 of Angel, Lonely Hearts.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Here we go. Here we, we are go. talking now about. I'm no longer a virgin. This is my second regeneration that yeah. I've witnessed. So, uh, that's big, what we're going to spend probably a lot of time on. Yeah, um, that and sort of the the farewell tour leading up to it is actually where mm-hmm. I, I want to begin. Although we've got some other stuff. I don't. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll talk about like the Doctor and the Time Lords, I guess, too. Yeah. At some point. But, I guess. But, um, yeah. but no, I really do want to start with sort of the farewell tour. Like everything. Yeah. So like from the moment the doctor sort of drops Wolf off mm. and says, I'm going to see you one more time. And and he goes, where are you going? And the doctor says, to get my reward. Mm. And then he goes off. And so actually I, I literally want to start there with the to get my reward because – I was trying to think the second time as I watched this, what, you know, and we were kind of joking before we began recording about how, like, you know, we talked about how this was like an extra long episode at 75 minutes. So it's, you know, yeah, an extra 15 from the normal 60 minute special, mm. a lot, a lot of time. And like pretty much literally that whole 15 minutes is this farewell tour. Like, mm. you know, almost to the minute. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. uh, which is great. Like I don't. I think that's fine. It, well, and and plus the regeneration, which is a couple minutes at the end, I guess. So maybe sure. like twelve of the fifteen minutes is, <laughs> you know, is the farewell tour. Um, but, right. But and I,
1: uh, D- Davies does refer to it um, in interviews and stuff as like an appendix to the story. You sure. know that like there's the story proper, and then there's this little, you know literally like an appendix kind of like a, what are they all yeah. doing now? Or like an epilogue or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, like, yeah. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to start with that, you know, the doctor says to get my reward. And so I was trying to think about what, what he means by that. Like what's, what's his reward, reward yeah. there. And I guess it's. Cause it's tough because he does not and not that I'm saying he should, but he does not look very happy about no. this reward that he's getting. Like, you know, each of the, each of the places he goes, he doesn't exactly like smile and say, Hey, it's great to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. So, so maybe like the, the only thing that I could really come up with, that's the reward is to see that the other people, the people who he's grown to care about and, and, love and even though he won't ever use that word but Mm -hmm. you know the people that he's helped and who have helped him that they're doing okay without him yeah like that even though but then on the other hand he helps them all in some way too right you know what i mean like like and 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 that was sort of the other thing like like i think there's maybe a part of that like to see that they're doing okay but there's also like the other side of it where he spent so much time saving Mm -hmm. humanity, you know, like he saved the earth, how many times and all of humanity, how many times, you know, or all of some race, you know, or whatever, um, or at least all of the people on a particular planet or in a particular situation. And the companions included in many of those cases, you know, he saved as well. But the thing that I sort of came back to was that all of these were personal just the companions now we don't know what they were doing maybe whatever he did to save them also somehow affected you know other people or whatever but like
2: right. you know
0: he saves martha and mickey specifically from the Centauri. right mm-hmm. he saves uh uh luke from the car he yeah. Doesn't save Jack per se, but he helps him, you know, by giving him the name of the guy and, you know, flirting, you know, flirting with Alonzo and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, Donna, I mean, again, save isn't perhaps the right term, but, you know, certainly the implication there of receiving what's probably a winning lottery ticket, uh, you know, seems to be significant. Um, and, something that will be helpful. Certainly Wolf and Sylvia both seem to think so as well. So yeah.
2: um,
0: uh, the only one word that doesn't quite work, I guess, is Verity, uh, you know, with, do, you know, writing the book about her grandmother mm-hmm. and, or, or I guess it's technically the journal that was left with the grandmother that she's now transcribed and created a book out of. And so,
1: yeah,
0: but, if the reward is him finding out or making sure the people were okay, then that's where the question comes in of, you know, right. was she happy in the end? And yes, yes, she was. And then she asks, were you? And he just kind of walks away. Like that's not, that doesn't matter. What, you know, what matters yeah. is that she was, and that, that's my reading anyway. So I'm yeah. really curious, this sort of, get your take on that because, and, and I, and it may not be one of those things that where there's a right reading or a wrong reading. I was sure. just trying to think about what, what, how do I interpret that phrase? To yeah, get no, reward. I've,
1: I've totally had that same question because you, it, it isn't, I think it's something which does make you kind of think about it because it's not explicitly stated, you know, in, you know, the reward is X, you know, um, and also because it's not like yeah he doesn't um, from all appearances he doesn't get anything in the sense of a reward you think of a reward as something that's for him it's rewarding him um but I would totally read it the same way as you like I think it's about um, seeing people you know, and getting the chance to see people that you love and say goodbye mm-hmm. um but I think the helping them aspect is really important because, you know, it's it's a callback to bef- when he's kind of making the decision to sacrifice himself for Wilf in those moments of kind of anger and fear of of having to know he's going to have to die and, you know, sacrifice himself. He says, you know, kind of petulantly, "This is what I get. This is my reward." Yeah, and yeah. then I, I like the reversal of it. To me, it's an acknowledgement that that's a wrong way of thinking about it. You know, it's not what it, it's. I, you know, to not get too like scriptural about it or anything, but it. I, I, I think of like the kind of biblical verses about you know that if you whoever loses his life will gain it. You, like that. it's not about what people owe you. It's about what you can do for people, you know? Yeah. And the reward is to help people. And that's the reward in itself, you know, that, and I think it's him kind of acknowledging that and saying that it's not about me. It's not about what I've done or what I deserve that what,
2: yeah.
1: what it kind of is about is the people that I've, met and the people that I love and the reward is to see them one more time and to help them one more time.
0: Yeah. I, and I see what you're saying with that. And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I guess sort of the only other part that I would sort of point out is that he does seem to be gaining a sort of solace from that as well. So like, like, and I
1: don't, absolutely. I do, I do not want to say it's doesn't because I think the whole point of that is that, you I think what would be wrong would be to think about a reward in the sense of that he's owed something. But I think what he realizes that in service to other people you are rewarded. That the reward is this is why he
0: does this sort of thing to begin with. And And it
1: is rewarding to him, but he gets the reward by helping others. You know, it's not a reward because they do stuff for him or that they you know or that the universe, you know, compensates for his losses. It's that the the I mean it's kind of a charitable thing. The reward is in giving. In giving to these people, he receives something, you know, which is this connection to these friends, you know, and yeah. Yeah. and seeing them one more time. And and I think the fact that he does specifically help them is right. important, you know
0: right and that it's right it's not an incidental he's helping everybody so it also helps them but that it's a personal right you know thing and that it's that connection of you know it's not it's not altruistic it's it's he's doing it because he loves them specifically and yeah. he's getting something out of helping them but not in a selfish way or in a you know whatever way it's 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 you know a symbiotic sort of thing and i think right. i think the poignancy of that comes in the you know, conversations that have happened before about the fact that the Doctor does need someone. And now we have,
2: yeah.
0: you know, again, yes, Wilf is kind of the companion. Um, and I guess more so because he sort of spans two specials, you know, so it's <laughs> not like just the one-shot one, one shot yeah. Jack kind of thing. but <laughs> um, But, yeah, there is that sense of, you know, he's... He really still doesn't have anyone, and even Wilf yeah. is like, you know, in the last episode trying to get him to talk to Donna again. So, like, yeah. even Wilf doesn't really kind of consider himself a companion, and right. you know that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, we can argue, I guess, about is Wilf a companion? Is he not a companion? Is he a different kind of companion than a real right? Companion? But those but,
1: arguments are all just, you know,
0: but 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 I think the the real point is that you know we've seen the doctor now through all of these specials not have a real companion and so you know the this idea that um you know he can he can now go back and sort of revisit them all and make sure they're all doing okay but it's also i i think there is a real sense of he's trying to find a certain amount of solace not not it doesn't work because clearly he says in the end I don't want to go you know it doesn't work completely but I think it does it it gets him to that point to where he's at least gone through a grieving process really is kind of what it is yeah. it's you know these are all of the things that I'm losing and 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 you know yeah. so you know, it's sort of right and proper to, and I actually, I'm starting to get into stuff I wanted to say later about the actual regeneration. So maybe I should pause that for a moment. And and I, you know, totally missed out on mentioning Rose before who um, of them all. Well, I guess Verity again, he doesn't really save, but Rose, he doesn't save either. Right. It's, it's, it's Rose walking, you know, Jackie's just gone off wherever on new year's eve and you know rose is sort of passing by and thinks he's drunk and he yeah sort of weird <laughs> questions and and whatever um and i and actually initially when i first saw him I'm like well wait a minute isn't she now gonna recognize him when he comes and then i'm like oh duh it's a different doctor
2: when right. she meets well, the, it is a different doctor and
0: doctor.
1: i think they very deliberately tried to make it him kind of enough in the shadows that yeah. you can plausibly you, i mean it's well, and that's those, kind of where I. It's got one of those to. things. It's like you're just supposed to believe that we need to be able to see him, but yeah. we're supposed to understand that Rose can't really see him that well, you yeah. know. And you yeah. just accept that she doesn't recognize him again. And you and know?
0: that's pretty much the conclusion I came to yeah. was that yeah. that one, it's a different doctor. So by the time David Tennant does come around again, you right, know, By right. by the time Ten comes around again, like she's just used to the look of this other doctor and wouldn't yeah. necessarily equate you know, David Tennant's look with, With, you know, a random bloke she ran into on New Year's Eve two two years ago, you know, like, like it's not going to be, yeah, Yeah. some, some, she's not going to recognize him. And like you said, it's kind of dark and shadowy. And He's been over kind of, you know, for a bit and, and there's no real, so like that, I don't have a huge problem with that or anything. Um, But that was just sort of like the first thing I thought of until I, I thought of all of those, but um, yeah, But yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's it's more like he's there to make sure she's okay, but it's before she even meets him. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe he's reminding himself of what she did for him. You know what I mean? Like like there seems to be I mean, clearly that's just just the seeing her is reward enough kind of thing. Right. And I
1: think if there are any of the ones that he seems I don't think he's unhappy to visit the other companions, but you definitely, he's not having a good time. You know, he had, yeah. there's that sense yeah. of somberness through all of them. That lifts a little bit with Rose. You know, he smiles mm. a little bit more warmly, you know, right. and he and he doesn't, and because he kind of, she doesn't really know him, it's not like a kind of, you know, you get from um, Wilf and from Sarah Jane and from Martha, all these kind of things where, they don't say anything, but they know, right? Mm-hmm. Like they know what's going to happen. You can tell, you know? So once they realize there's a, even though you get like the smile from Sarah Jane, there's still teary. It's still sort of, yeah, you know, grieving. Well, Rose, and... Rose doesn't know. So he's, a. it's like, it, it, he's free to be a little bit more, you know, warm with her, I think. Sure. And actually I've seen this episode a bunch of times and, you know, like I'm like you. I don't get like super. I feel emotional during episodes, but I don't physically, you know, get that emotional. But I got a little misty this last time with Rose. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and it, I, the thought didn't crystallize until after I watched it. I was trying to figure out, like, okay, what what hit me that time? Because it kind of did, and um, I think what. It, unconsciously, I think what it kind of reminded me of was River. Um, because, again, you have... Mm. Uh, you have this, this... It's the same kind of idea of um, him going to her. It, it's like you it's, could almost put... you put It's River's almost the words, inverse. Yeah, You could put River's words in his mouth saying, it's okay. It's not over for you. You're, mm-hmm. You'll see me again. Yeah. And, you know, time and space, you watch us run. Like, of him... But for him having to let that go and knowing that that's, you know, it's okay for her and it's good for her and there's a hopefulness, but also him being now from being the one on the other side of it. Now he's on the same side of river saying those times are over Yeah, and it's time to move on
0: and don't change any of them. (laughs) Yeah. And it,
1: and so I think that like that kind of, that passing of the baton, you know, that poignancy of it
2: Mm
0: kind of
1: struck me this time. And that never really occurred to me before. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. So, and, and I think you're right to point out about like, he does seem at least a little bit. Yeah. Not maybe happy isn't the right word, but at at least contented, you know, with seeing Rose when he's looking down at Martha and Mickey, he looks like pissed off. (laughs) Like, and, and I don't, Like, and not, like, I don't think at them. I mean, they're not, whatever. But he, like, he just has a very angry, dour look. And he just kind of, like, the briefest of nods and then walks away. Yeah. And you're right. And, like, you know, Martha especially kind of steps out and knows what's going to happen. And and Mickey Mm -hmm. seems to as well. I mean, we've certainly seen him grow. Like, he he doesn't seem like the stupid idiot, (laughs) you know, that he used to be. But, you know, so, you know, they get it. They understand sort of what's happening. And... But they're there to comfort each other, right? Yeah. Um, you know, with with same thing with you know Luke, uh, Luke Smith and and Sarah Jane, and where you know he saves Luke, and like he doesn't say anything to him, like it like no, he just kind of. Actually,
1: kinda... there I I feel like that was something which slightly got lost in translation because the intention of that, um, which I know from like reading things that Russell has said, was. He was. It was kind of a little in-joke with himself. It bugs him when, in kids' shows and in Sarah Jane Adventures, kids and characters on TV cross the road without looking both ways. And so he wanted to put, like, it just drives him nuts. Because in TV you can do that because they stop the traffic for you. But it's, like, kind of dangerous to have kids on TV crossing the road on their phones without looking. So he kind of wanted to put that in as, like, his own acknowledgement that he hates that cliche. But, and I think, so the idea is that the doctor's supposed to be like giving him a look, like,
0: like don't do that
1: kid. But I don't know that it, because he doesn't say anything, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's because he doesn't have any lines. It doesn't, I don't know that that translates. Well, and because it comes right after kind of a little, they could have finessed that a bit, you know, because it makes it look like he's angry at Luke. Whereas I don't think he is. I think it's, it's that kind of, you know, hey, kid, you know, be smarter about this, you know. And then when Sarah Jane sees him, he does give her a little yeah. wave. He does soften a bit. So I yeah, think that was something that just didn't quite, it didn't quite well, translate. But and,
0: and because it's right after the Martha and Mickey where he right. looks actively pissed off, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. at least that's how I see it. Like, he definitely does not, he looks angry, you know what I mean? Like, yes, he nods to them, but it's just like, <laughs> you know, and and so then to go from that to saving Luke and giving him this stern yeah. look, I think you're just like, what? What's going on here? And yeah. but you're right. He does. He softens up more, like and, with and each one. And that's true.
1: And that's true as it goes on. Um, he gets a little bit.
0: So like by the time you get to, yeah. And, and I really liked actually the sort of the cantina, like totally yeah. seen modeled after like a Star Wars cantina yes, scene. the Star Wars and, space and,
1: bar. Yeah.
0: um. You know, so you get all of this collage of aliens, where, um, so you know most of them are certainly recognizable from you know various episodes. You don't have yeah. to like name them all, but then also like the added like the music from um, the Daleks of New York episode. Yeah. You know, yep. with yep. Uh, I yeah, can't I, remember her name. What, what was her name? He's he's in, yeah. Uh, right. Right. Uh, what was her name? I don't now know. I, I forget. can. I keep. I. I can. I can remember Tallulah. Laszlo. Tallulah. Oh right, right, right. Tallulah. Three L's
1: yeah um yeah no this is the kind of greatest hits version of
0: yeah know, how yeah. many
1: references can we shove into one bar
0: right um, um yeah and and right and then you get jack sitting there all alone and mr mr lonely yeah. heart we'll get to that later yeah um you know with sitting next to alonzo when he gets right. the note. And he fixes him up um, with alonzo this is pretty pretty funny stuff there mm-hmm. but um but yeah like even there you kind of like like obviously that's a little cheekier, you know, Yeah. but yeah. so he does sort of lighten up and then you get to Verity where he actually does now talk to someone, yeah. you know, and ask like shows some actual, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever doesn't answer her question of, you know, were you happy? But at least you get the, um, you know, the, you, you you get that feeling that he's actually, you know, starting to sort of, and maybe that's the intent. Maybe that's, You know, part of the reward, right, is that by reviewing his relationships with all of these people or revisiting or whatever you want to call it, like maybe it does. It is meant exactly to do that, to soften him up. Yeah. And to make. Right. You're kind
1: of watching a a Clip Notes version of him going through the grieving process, you know, from kind of anger to denial to acceptance and all these things. And that he gets. Warmer is the word that I keep coming back to. That he gets progressively warmer
0: as yeah. it goes on. Um, and then, yeah, you get to Donna's wedding, and he actually talks a little to Wilf and to Sylvia, mm-hmm. and gives you know her a gift, and not and even like you know for Sylvia, uh, who is not our favorite person in the world or the doctors, no. <laughs> you know. No, Ooh, um, the she's fact,
1: smiling as if today wasn't bad enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the fact that. Um, you know, he went back and borrowed a quid from yeah. uh, Jeffrey Noble, who presumably is yeah. Donna's father, right? I yeah. mean, that's yeah. the intent, yeah. it seems to be.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So, yeah, no,
1: and that's kind of a gift for Sylvia, right? You know? Right. That In the same way that the ticket that you can see how touched she is by
2: that.
0: Right. It's not just the act of giving the the gift, the ticket, or whatever, but it's the meaning behind it, and that, and again not something Donna can herself ever know, but no just the thought that kind of goes into that. Um and the fact that you you know, real qu- quickly you hear him say, you know, he like he didn't even have to like pay him back. You know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. like, oh here, take it. you Like yeah. you know, he just he had No, that, that, sort that he of generous, calls it
1: he says what a lovely man he was. You know? Yeah. 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 No, it is very sweet.
0: Um And then, yeah, and then we get to the Rose and Jackie and all of that. And that too, like,
1: I mean, that hadn't occurred to me before, but just, even just that, the idea that that's a free gift and you don't owe me anything, you know, have that mm -hmm. on me. You kind of think of this as the doctor going to everyone, giving them a gift saying, you don't owe me anything, have that on me, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a generous kind of, you know, that, that, that helpful giving kind of spirit behind it.
0: So um yeah, not to talk for 25 minutes about all of this, but yeah. no, I think it's important because I think it you know, it's it's well, it is that farewell tour and it does give you that, you know, those reminders of what these people meant not just to the doctor but to us as well. And yeah. and like you said, I mean, I guess at this point people know that Russell Davies is leaving, so yes, you know, it's a little bit to be expected and we don't know if At this point, Moffat's going to use any of these characters ever again. So, you know, he might, but we don't know that. And 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 that's like
1: literally what Russell Davies said in one of the interviews was like, look, you know, these are characters I created and Moffat can use them. You know, they're there and he might use them one day. But I don't expect him like he doesn't expect him to in the sense of he doesn't. He didn't want to leave him with all these, you know, inherited stories. Like responsibility.
0: Kind of like it's kind of, like, it's kind up, of about
1: yeah. you know it's for him wrapping it up so that Moffat can use these stories and these characters if he wants. But if he wants to bring in his own, he has plenty of ideas, you know, and he's free to do that. So it is kind of an appendix to the era as well as to this particular yeah episode.
0: You know? sure sure. Um, So, you know, yeah, you're right. It's it's I didn't particularly get misty or anything at this point, but um, it definitely has that feel of, you know, you're you're revisiting all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's goodbye. It's it's the doctor in his own little way, knowing that he's going to regenerate, which I would like to talk about next. If you don't have anything else for the farewell tour. Uh,
1: No, no. Go ahead. Regeneration. Okay. regeneration so
0: um and and starting of course like immediately after rose walks away and the doctor sort of gets his regen pangs yeah and um you know is sort of stumbling toward the TARDIS and sees Ud sigma mm. who says the song is ending but the story never ends and then he he tells him he's gonna sing them you know sing them into uh you know, the universe is going to sing to you till you sleep or something like that. I, I don't yeah. remember exactly how he phrases it, but, um, it's like
1: sing you to your sleep or something. sing
0: you to yeah. your sleep. Right. Right. Um, and then, yeah, you get the, you know, you go into the TARDIS and he, he gets the TARDIS going off into space, which, well, maybe we can talk about it at the end of this little segment, because <laughs> I, I'm not sure I understand why he would, if he knows he's about to regenerate, like, why would you set the TARDIS flying? But, Anyway. Well, I don't um, know
1: that he knows that he's going to trash the thing. Um, And I just like, I just like the kind of symbolism of orbiting Earth. That he sets it to orbit Earth. You know, that there's mm. kind of, I like that the...
0: Kind of putting it on So there's kind of the, pr- to... the
1: practical, there's the practical, you know, they want, that's what the story needs to be, that the TARDIS should be crashing and everything. But like... And and so I think you can justify that by saying he didn't realize he's going to explode the whole inside of it. But I like the symbolic kind of, you know, that uh, I just like that idea that, you know, he sets the coordinates to circle Earth, you know, as he's sort of regenerating. I don't yeah, know. And that's I, fine. That's I don't that's kind of nice.
0: I don't want to belabor the point. I just... Um... You know, and then you get that moment of the, I don't want to go, the yeah. the very, which, okay, I mean, it's a phrase that is obviously very much a popular one that most people who have seen Doctor Who, at least to this point, uh, you know, know and use, and I've seen it on Twitter and stuff before. Sure. I suspected it was related to the regeneration. I didn't know it was, like, the last thing he says before right. he regenerates. Right. Um, although it's not. I mean, it's wouldn't have been that hard to predict that either. Like it's, it seems apropos, like it's not out of place or anything. It makes sense in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just that sentiment of which we've been getting and which we got, like you meant, you know, you brought up the rant that he he has uh, at Wilf and Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know that he's been, this is the thing he's been fearing and it's here and, and he's just sort of expressing that at the end. And that's the point where I sort of got the, you know, Did you, the, oh, a, little bit, a little, a little, bit, bit, a little, a little bit, bit, a little bit, a little bit, because yeah. you don't, you don't want to see him go. I mean, no. it's, it's,
1: and I think too, um, you know, I, that's one of the things too, that really gets me about it is that he like you kind of mentioned that he sees all these companions and he doesn't really say much to them. So you get this kind of stoicism of him, you know, like just going to them, just wanting to see them, just wanting to help them, but not saying anything. And then in the, by himself in the last moments, you get the admission of how he's really feeling, you know, like
2: mm.
1: when there's nobody there, but the audience to hear it, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, and it's like, who can blame him? You know, like, I think again you know, if you're going to do a regeneration with 10 or 11 or 12 different doctors, you should take that opportunity to explore different facets of it. And this one is a kind of, you know, admitting that death is scary and unpleasant and not easy and you don't want it. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. you know, and I think too, there's a lot of other couple little nuances too. Um, Just the fact that it's, you know, the Tenth Doctor's uh, catchphrase is, allons-y, let's go. And then in the last moments, it's the reversal of that. It's, I don't want to go. You know, the thing he's been saying all these years, you know, gets sort of reverse echoed in the last moment. Um, And the other thing I would point out is that definitely uh, there's resonance there for Davies, And for Tenant, too, I think. You know, there's a certain amount of it being more than just... I mean, it is... I think it's appropriate for the character. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it also... Because the writer who wrote those words is leaving. You know, and because the actor who's saying those words is leaving. And because they both... You know, um, obviously, if you read anything... You know, any interviews with either of them or watch any interviews... You know how much they both care about the show... Um, you can't help but feel like that means something to them as well as to the Doctor as well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But even for the Doctor, I still think it's, even without the kind of meta level, um, I do think that's a very poignant final line and definitely iconic. Like, you do see it. It's it's a memorable
0: Sure. way to go. Absolutely. Um, so, and then, well, then we get the new doctor, but before we talk about the new doctor, okay. I want to sort of talk through some of the, so I did in preparation for this, uh, I went back and actually re-listened to our previous discussion about the, uh, regeneration from nine to 10, so um,
2: diligent.
0: because I want, well, I wanted to, because, uh, you know, they I don't happen con- every
1: day. Yeah. I was very
0: concerned at the time and wanted, to, you know, one of the things I was curious about was exactly what what we're going to talk about here is the comparison. How does yeah. this compare to other regenerations? And so now yeah. I actually have one to compare it to. You have two. So, yeah. um, you know, I did want to look, and and there's definitely some similarities. Um, we talked last time about um, how you know there is sort of a traditional on-screen presentation mm-hmm. of of the regeneration. So you get, you know, except for eight from eight to nine, I think, is the only yeah. one where you don't get yeah,
1: that. Yeah, 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 pretty much. There's a little bit of fuzziness with some of them, but I think the only one that we don't see... At all is eight to nine
0: yeah yeah so I mean and and I mean obviously there's gonna be differences in each one but just sort of again it's that traditional sort of on screen it happens
1: yeah there's always that that um except with eight to nine because they just brought the show back um, yeah, yeah with all the others there's some sort of passing of the baton from one to the next it's not right. like it ends with one and then we pick up with a new doctor the next season it's like and um, there's always a sense of them being continuous one to the next.
0: And sort of along with that, you get that, you know, sort of the orchestration of it, right? You get the goodbye and the hello, which yeah. immediately follows. Um, yeah. And the glimpse of the new doctor in the old doctor's clothes as sort yeah. of that that link, you know, to help say this is now the doctor, you know, kind yeah. of the anchor that point home. Um, the difference is that I wanted to sort of talk about a little bit um, one is one that we've been sort of talking about along, but I just want to really put it in context with the previous regeneration is that I did not really see nine to 10 coming as a regeneration.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, and in the story frame, um, we, we actually talk a bit about how you kind of jump back and forth, even within the episode of, well, it could happen, but maybe not or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so with 10 to 11, though, not only do you see it coming from a mile away, you see it coming from about 10 miles away. And we've talked about how I actually kept thinking it was going to happen. It was going to yeah, happen, yeah. you know, and, and intentionally that's what Davies did. Like it's, yeah. he fooled me, but you know, that's okay. Cause he was intending to fool me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it wasn't yeah. just, you know, whatever. So you know, there's a huge difference there between yeah. the the not like wow, it's only one season. I wasn't expecting this to happen now, and you know, didn't really f- foresee this coming. And 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 you know, to this one where you're getting the discussions about death, you're getting the you, you know the the two old men in a clean, well lighted place. You know, yeah. and and yeah, yeah. and um, you know, you're getting the the you know long. Predictions by the ood of you know your song is ending and yeah it was a little ambiguous at first but we kind of knew you kind of knew and I think to, and I think
1: too not only is it not only do we the audience because there could be kind of a dramatic irony thing of the audience sees it coming a mile away but but right. the doctor doesn't whereas the doctor sees it coming a mile away too and I think that affects the whole tone of it because it's mm-hmm. not a surprise. And something which he just sort of, not to say that the ninth doctor was happy to regenerate, but I think it's one thing to kind of get blindsided. You know, like we talked about last time, like having it be sudden or having it be Mm -hmm. like a decision, like to, you know, throw yourself in front of a car to save somebody. Like you kind of a spur of the moment kind of thing. Whereas with the doctor seeing it coming a mile away, we do watch him go through a grieving process and a coming to terms with it Mm -hmm. that it's more protracted and sort of existentially difficult in that way so it just makes the whole thing slower and more intentional you know and we kind of see him go through more sort of stages of coming to terms with what that means I think
0: yeah, right. And or not coming or to terms. Not. Or finding it very difficult to come, finding it very um, difficult to come, you know, come to like, terms with it. like yeah. you know, going off and marrying the queen so as to avoid seeing the oud. Right. Um, right. Who are going to tell you what's going to Yeah, anyway. So, um, you, you know, concomitant with that, you get the idea, and, and this goes right along with what we're talking about before of there's no companion around whereas last time there was you had rose to to be there and to witness what was going on and even though she didn't understand it she was the human factor sort of in all of that and now the doctor is has been companionless for some time um and and you get that moment of it's it's just him there's nothing else you know um yeah. So, you know, I don't I know. know how and much you, to do with that, and, well, and
1: I don't, and and I mean, that's kind of, I think, what you should kind of be thinking, because, like, I definitely, I think, we could see ways in which having Rose be the companion in the first season affected the character of the Tenth Doctor. You sure. know, like he doesn't, you know, say stupid human apes and I'm not going to go to dinner with you. You know, he is like, Christmas dinner, this is fantastic. And mm-hmm. he wants the adopted family. And he, you know, again, the Tenth Doctor is very emotionally open. Com- you know, I know he's not compared to normal people, but for Doctors, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, I think, one of the, on the scale of emotionality, he's one of the more open, you know? And sure. you can kind of see how Rose had something to do with that, you know, and, and you can see how he cares deeply about the companions that he travels with and kind of wants that connectedness with them, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and is sad is really painfully sad to leave them, you know, and to lose it. So I think what you're kind of should be thinking is how do the circumstances of the previous doctor's life and death affect the character of, the new doctor
2: yeah yeah um cause no we that's could a see great that point that happened I... last
1: time so we have every cause and that's i think in the classic series too that the new doctors would often respond to the one that came before you know that they would if, if you zig you got a zag and then if 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 there was you know the the classic series didn't always have the kind of nuanced character development that the new series does but i still think that the doctor, the new doctor always responds to the old doctor in some way. You sure. know, there's kind of a call and answer kind of relationship that goes sure. on. Yeah. So you should uh, be wondering that is what I'm saying.
0: And and I wasn't even really thinking that far ahead, but just more even in the moment of the regeneration that, that well, right. you don't have a companion. So when, you know, the TARDIS does blow up, the, the TARDIS is you know, there's like... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right, because at least... because the cause the 10th doctor went a little nuts when he first kind of woke up, but you, mm-hmm. you know, and he's saying, Whoa, we're crashing. This is like, you know, he's going kind of mad, but you at least have Rose saying, let's go find Jack or let's go back to my house. Or like you have someone right, to right. ground him. Yeah. He doesn't have that this time. And the TARDIS is in pretty bad shape.
0: Yeah. Appears to be. Um, yeah. and, and sort of, you know, the other thing then, um, which kind of goes along with the, the farewell tour stuff is, you know, he's not like in, in the, in the previous one, you have this, uh, you know, sort of searching to find the right words and, and you get the, you know, you were fantastic and, and you know what? So was I, you know, like, which are great words, you know, to final say to yeah. someone, but, yeah. um, you know, this one, it, you know, if you look at the regeneration as the longer process from the point where he says it's starting to wealth, uh, you know, it's it's that long, slow, drawn out, ponderous, you know, idea. so, you know, again, just sort of another difference. But what, what I wanted to go back to and which obviously is so much more poignant now is something that you said in the uh, episode, uh, our, our episode 14 um so excited of, I'm going to
1: get of, quoted in my of my the podcast, podcast and,
0: and you know, episode 13 of doctor who season one, um, Where You you said this. You said there's an aspect of the Doctor, which is the Doctor, and he's always the same. You didn't quite put that same emphasis on it. I added the Doctor. But anyway, (laughs) um, there are constants, and there's an aspect to it which has always been true. But I think that's a particular thing of Russell Davies, that the regeneration is a type of death. There's a personality which is going away. He's not going to come back, and everything is always the same. It's good that you should mourn him. Uh, a little bit. And that was I mean and of course at the time we were talking about Christopher Eccleston that yeah. that it that it was kind of sad and that it it yeah. seems kind of like he is dying and it's like you said it's sort of the I stepped out in front of traffic on purpose to save someone, you know, kind of death. So it's you know it is sad. And and this one I mean that's explicit. And of course right. I mean I know of course that you had seen this by then. So, you know, I don't know how right. much you were looking forward uh, to that absolutely
1: point. no absolutely but, and and it's not but like, it
0: see yeah and it seems like you would have been like i yeah no have now have predicted you
1: get it but, now yeah, yeah no obviously. and and again not to say that wasn't true because i don't think any of that seemed weird to you at the time that no, i know well it made sense but definitely this one is yeah saying more explicitly what,
2: what
0: and that's
1: that kind of said implicitly
0: that's uh-huh. exactly what I wanted to say is that it it totally made sense to me back then but yeah now it's you lo- you look at it you I mean you can't not look at it without having a completely different point of view. Yeah. So um just I just wanted to I mean obviously it's not prescient because you already knew what was going to happen so whatever but yeah. I I like that you sort of set it up that way and that it really does work for both of them even yeah. you know for the first one where you don't have all of that background and and I think I think that makes it even more right if that makes sense like because you can sort of put a universality to it and you know okay so we haven't seen now the next regeneration that is going to occur between Matt Smith and, and, you know, uh, Peter Capaldi, but we will maybe be looking for that when we get (laughs) to that point, you know, like to see how much of that is also true at that point, because now, and it's funny because I, I've seen, I've seen the sort of the mean graphic, right. of, you know, the stages of a new doctor, like, right. you know, right. he'll he'll never be as good as the old doctor. And, you know, right. then you right. sort of kind of start liking him a little bit. And then you like get to that point where no, nobody else could ever be the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will 100% fully admit that that was me. I expressed, when Christopher Eccleston left that I don't want to see him go and that yeah I can't really condone you know David Tennant being the doctor which yeah. like is risible thinking about it now like right. I'm literally right. laughing at my own stupid comments at this point because obviously that's not the case so yeah I just
1: and that's just the natural cycle of the show yeah and, and of the grieving process and yeah
0: and there's a part of me that Okay, intellectually, I know that, but there's also that part of me that knows, yeah. like, that, that thinks Matt like. Smith has a Matt big Smith,
1: chin, and we don't just, want
0: him in there. We he want... just looks so different. <laughs> yeah. He looks so different. But I, yeah. It, yeah, so, yeah, and we can get to. So, one of the other sort of similarities that I didn't even really pick up on until, you know, just sort of at the last minute here was. Um, So you have Matt Smith legs. Oh, I've got legs. And he, you know, kissing his knee or whatever. Good arms, hands. Oh, fingers, lots of fingers, ears, eyes, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Still not a ginger. Um, But, but you get um, back with, uh, you know, with David Tennant, (laughs) one of the first things he says is hello. Okay. Oh, new teeth. That's weird. (laughs) Like, you know, just like, again, like, like this very sort of, uh, intense focus on the physical changes. Uh, yeah, and, with and Eccleston. Eccleston,
1: it was his ears. Yeah, Remember? yeah. I he was. Plays with I was gonna say, like hair, yeah. going
0: back, you get this. Oh, the ears. You know, oh no, oh, I had worse. You know, could have been yeah. worse. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. So
1: right, right. Now this time, uh, the nose could be. I've had worse, and you kind of wonder if he's thinking about Eccleston there. But yeah. Uh, but the, but the chin, blimey.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair. I'm a girl. No, no, yeah. I'm not a girl. Yeah, um, and which, and
1: and the callback to Ginger is the icing on. I love that. that yeah, and still not um, even. St- oh, damn it! Like he's <laughs> so. A- Once again, annoyed, you know. Um <laughs> right. And FYI, all that eleventh Doctor dialogue was written by Stephen Moffat, because um, Russell Davies put, you know, I don't want to go. He regenerates, TARDIS explodes, and then emailed it off to Moffat and said, "Go." Finish so,
0: it. um. Yeah. Well, kind of, a I was a, actually again, ask a nice you, little
1: pass of the baton there.
0: I was actually going to ask you that exact question of... Not, yeah. not about the writing of the script, per se, although that's a big part of it, but how much did Moffat have of that final scene? In- right,
1: and he definitely... He wrote the dialogue, um, and uh, Davies also kind of said, where do you want me to leave it? You know, like, I think he knew he was going to end with the regeneration, but it was like, you know... You know, I think it would have been Moffat who kind of said, uh, "Let's have the Tardis crashing." You know, well, so then Davies goes in and writes of course the reason Moffitt why Moffat is that's... going
0: to try to kill off the Tardis, because that's what yeah. Moffat does—he tries to kill things off. He does, um, yeah. So um, that yeah, makes no so complete it, sense. It
1: does make sense. So, like, I don't, um, I, I don't think it's that Davies wrote, you know, the Tardis is crashing and then handed it to Moffat. I think. They had di- I don't whose idea it was originally, I'm not quite sure, but there was definitely dialogue there that that right, he got said it. <laughs> tell me where you want the TARDIS and I'll park it, it there for it you. It wasn't
0: like, I'm really going to screw Moffat over and I'm going to yeah. make the TARDIS, you right. know, in flames and whatever. Right. It's, yeah, no, he had a say
1: in it. that. No, no Moffat definitely had had a say in that.
0: And I mean, clearly these two guys had a good work... They probably do. Probably yeah, still no, they have, have nothing, a good Nothing, relationship. But, so, nothing I mean,
1: but good things to say it's about not each like, other. Yeah. It's
0: not like a hostile takeover of some no. kind or anything. It's, it's not
1: a hostile takeover. It's definitely a... Um, they seem to have nothing but good things to say yeah. and to have a very
0: positive it's, working relationship. Yeah. So, an, an amenable handoff. Um, yeah, there isn't sort of an opposite to a hostile takeover, is there? Like I was trying to think of what, what is there. There's not even like a business term for that. There's hostile no. takeover or just not. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so – We've used up all our time talking about the farewell tour and regeneration. God, um,
1: yeah. So there well, were time and, lords, and, and, and there I was mean, the
0: master, and there was the doctor, and Wilf, and Donna, and there were some Vinvochi and Sylvia <laughs> along the way. Is that covering? No, 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 come on, no, come no. on, come on. All right. No,
1: we got to get. Okay, what did what were we supposed to talk about next? We were, we were going to talk. talk about, so we right. were
0: going to talk about the time lords and the master and the time war stuff.
1: Let's let's blow through that stuff. Um, okay. So I, there were time
0: lords in the master. There
1: Sorry. were time lords, no, because we get some important mythology here. So we, come do. On.
0: we do. We I'm, do. So I'm being a jerk. Apparently, you're
1: being facetious, and there's no call for it.
0: There's no call for it. <laughs> we're gonna go over.
1: Uh, was that ever? Was that ever a question? Um, so, okay, I want to. Okay, before we get into like what the time lords, do, I'm trying to be fast here. Before we get into what the Time Lords do in this episode, I'm sorry. You're totally gone. I'm going to wait till you're till, – can you listen to me um,
2: right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you're having a moment.
0: I don't know All what's right. going on right now. Before so, we
1: get into what the Time Lords actually do in this episode, I want to just go through some of this mythology that we learn about them because we get a fair amount of info dump about the Time War. Um so I'll kind of let me flag the things I think are important and then you can kind of fill in any other gaps here but um you know because they're kind of trapped in this time lock in the last day we kind of get a little glimpse into the time war even though we don't see any actual fighting well, going on
0: And that was actually something I was going to ask is it literally just like the one day where I mean I think it's like that Gallifreyan like, the boardroom type stuff happens. Right.
1: I mean, I think it seems to be kind of in a matter okay. of... It kind of in more or less real time, it seems to me, like, over a couple hours or whatever. Um, They kind of refer to it as the last day. So that's how I took it. Um, But...
0: Yeah, but with this time crap, you never really know.
1: Yeah. And maybe we have more data we can add to that later. Um, okay. So, without... Without saying too much about it, I think this is supposed to be the the end of the time war you okay. know that these are the time lords at their most desperate, mm-hmm. you know, so whether that's how much time that covers, i don't know exactly, but that's the uh, that's the idea is it's it's the final act of the time war I guess um and they're desperate to you know they'll they'll do anything to yeah. escape it um So you get, you know, the images of the city with the dome, the glass dome sort of broken and smoking. And you get, I like all those Dalek ships that are crashed all over, like, they're Mm -hmm. just littered all over the ground and everything. Um, So um, we get a little hint of what the doctor is, because the doctor's presumably in the Time War somewhere, too, that he's, you know, the guy who ended it, you know, he's doing stuff. And so you get Oh, right. So this is
0: actually before he closes yes. it off.
1: This is before he, yeah.
0: yeah, Time, it's, time it's, locks it or whatever he does. I, it, yeah, and they, or
1: or or even, again, I don't know exactly how much the doctor had to do with the time lock. Um but, oh, okay. But this is kind of leading up to whatever it is he does that kind of obliterates the Time Lords and the Daleks. Um because, you get that one kind of counselor saying to wrestle on the president. Um, the doctor has disappeared, my lord president, but we know his intention. He still possesses the moment, and mm-hmm. he'll use it to destroy Daleks and Time Lords alike. Right. So we get a proper name for the moment, whatever that
0: is. Right. Um, right. It, it's like it's like a cluster bomb, but it's like a <laughs> time cluster, a, a timey bomb or thing. Something. So, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, You know, so we get an actual word for the thing that he did. Um, And presumably, you know, he possesses it and he'll use it to destroy us. You can kind of, without them explicitly stating it, it makes sense that that is what he used to destroy the Daleks and the Time War. Right, right. Um, That would seem to make sense. Um, You get kind of hints of the horror of the Time War that, that, you know the one says something about millions die every second with time itself resurrecting them to find new ways of dying over and over. And to me, that kind of implies that regeneration that because you're killing all the time Lords, they're regenerating constantly. Mm. And there's been reference to them, like even resurrecting people. Like
2: I think the master
1: say that they resurrected him to fight in the time war mm-hmm. back in last, of the time Lords or something. He said, well, that. and
0: that's why he fled to the, and that's why to he the fled. End of time. And then,
1: and even Rassilon himself, um, who's the president, um, in kind of classic who mythology, he was kind of a mythological figure for the Time Lords. He was like the founder of the Time Lord Society. Oh, so okay. he's not really a contemporary of the Time War. So the fact that he's there, you kind of get the idea that they sort of resurrected him too, you know, oh, okay. to lead them in the war. So not only do you have them kind of maybe doing like your regeneration thing of dying and resurrecting every couple minutes or something. But you also have them, like, (laughs) screwing with their own limitations of death and, and, you know, and the kind of unnaturalness of their warfare and everything. Um, And that this counselor, you know, and we've heard all this stuff about all the planets that got destroyed in the Time War. So it's not just the the Daleks and the Time Lords that are, you know, taking each other out, but they're like destroying the universe in the process too. Like so many other planets Mm -hmm. and peoples were destroyed in the process. Um, and the counselor sort of suggests that this is, you know, evil and unnatural and, and it's time for this to stop. And wouldn't it just be better to end it? And Rassilon doesn't take too kindly to that thought. Um, so, uh, and then again, I love love, love, love the doctor's the, the names he gives to all the things. The Yeah, yeah. The very mythic and fairy tale kind of names, the the Scarrow degradations, the horde of travesties, the nightmare child we've heard about, but the could have been king with his army of meanwhiles and never It's wonderful. I love kind of that we just hear those names and don't really find yeah, the, out anything the more about
0: making it. of proper nouns, you know, yeah. sort of these abstract concepts and they're all,
1: that... and they're all time related or the could Sorry. have, the could have been King meanwhile's and never weres that they have to do with time, you know, things yeah. that shouldn't be or could have been or never would be all those kinds of, you know, but they have a kind of, you know, mythic fairy tale there well and to it
0: but also almost a sort of science fictiony in a you know frankenstein's monster kind of way like these yeah. are like monstrosities of time yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah they're you know it's not just that they're you know sort of naturally occurring fairies or something but they're right they're these things that were you know these horrible weapons, right? Like perhaps the moment, which sort of right. fits right in with all of those things. You yeah, know, no, that are definitely. Created. And the
1: moment, another time name. You know, it. it they're all yeah, right, definitely.
0: Right, right. The moment. It's like the bomb. You know, right, like right. you know the as they would refer to like the atomic bomb or whatever. Right. So it, yeah, it's like maybe it has a more scientific name, but it's just called the moment and everyone mm-hmm. knows what it is, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, you're right. It does give you this sort of like, Whoa, what are all these things? And yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. And then I guess just the last thing too, is we finally get um some kind of a little bit more detail about, why... We still don't quite know what the moment is or or how it works or, you know, why the Doctor used it and everything. But you finally get some insight as to why, you know? So not only are they kind of... I mean, we already knew that they were, you know, destroying large chunks of the universe in the process of the war. So you get the sense that he's kind of protecting, you know, every mm-hmm. all these other peoples that are getting caught in the crossfire. But you get their plan of, you know, the destruction of time and space, that that there will be no more, no more traveling in the TARDIS, no more cause and effect, no more physical, historical world. And they'll just sort of ascend, you know, to be these creatures of consciousness. And you kind of assume that they're the only characters or the only people which will ascend. And everything mm. else sort of, in that way, it's very like the Daleks with their reality bomb. You know, it's yeah. that everything else, creation, ceases to be, and they will, you know, live as these sort of pure consciousness and, and,
0: yeah, so, well, sort of know. godlike beings, right? Because there will be yeah. no time anymore. They'll be right. outside of time. They won't be constrained right. by physicality and temporality and yeah. all of these other things. And you get, um, I mean,
1: that's completely abhorrent. And the absolute antithesis of everything that the doctor is, right, you right. know, because for him it's all about time and space and history and cause and effect and people and mm-hmm. lives, you know, and getting involved and and that sounds like, you know,
0: right. And not you get the way he rolls, <laughs> and and I guess it's maybe we're saying that you get the sense that this isn't like a plan they just came up with that that was the plan right before the doctor i don't know stole the moment or did whatever right. because he like, kind of
1: says like this is familiar to him he says that's what they were planning i had mm-hmm. to stop them so so he's not only is he stopping them from doing it again but he's that's why he stopped them in the first place was mm-hmm. this was their plan and i had to stop them right um you know it's just that now that they're trying to break out of the time lock he has to prevent it a second time i guess Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um and something that occurred to me this time which never really had before because nobody says it um is that you know for all that you get um the the doctor avoiding death and afraid of death and fearing death and having that be difficult and everything it kind of occurred to me that one way to avoid that would be to ascend with them you know that he's a Mm. time lord why couldn't he just that's a good way to avoid stuff you know is to just ascend to be consciousness and then he doesn't have to regenerate he doesn't have to die but that it never even occurs to him or to us that he would do that like you know
0: well, you can, and i think you it can goes back go... to sorry, sorry. i was just gonna say it goes back to what you were just saying about the fact that it's it would require everyone else to die and all matter to cease, you know, like that seems to be the implication that their ascension is like, it requires, it's not just that, like, you know, they're going to destroy the world and then ascend. Like, it's like right. the very act of ascension seems to require the, 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 uh, annihilation of all physical matter. Right. Like, right. So that, right. You know, whether he considers it or not, like, I think, that's just sort of it, it. It goes along with the I never would, right? It, yeah. It's, it's, he's not ever going to just kill somebody for, well, I mean, he does have sort of conversations with, you know, Wilf and whatever about, right. you know, I have killed people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's not like that's the thing it's it's that and and we get several references right we get the master saying you never would when he's yeah. pointing a gun at him which you're obviously supposed to call back to the doctor's daughter i mean yeah. you have to think about that at the same time is he never would well, but and, again and you get him, him pointing a gun at right at his head right. so like and,
1: and that he calls him coward and i think of the parting of the ways yep. of coward every time you know
0: um, oh yeah that that but also um when he's John Smith at the, the, um, uh, uh, you know, at the boys school, right. Yeah. You know, you get the, what was the, what was the boy's name? Um, Latimer. Latimer. Yeah. Who, you know, yep. Yes, sir. Coward every time, you know, like repeating sort of what the doctor. Yeah.
1: Says. Yeah. So, coward every time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. But I think that's it. It's easy to overlook because it's so obvious that he wouldn't do that. But, to me it kind of really struck me this time that you know it's easy to kind of focus and we can certainly talk about this it's easy to kind of focus on the of, the of the the moments when he's afraid of death or or kind of selfish about it or you know angry or all these things and so it's easy to kind of focus on that and not acknowledge that kind of by refusing to let the time lord's doing this to let the time lord's do this he's kind of sealing his own fate in that moment. And it doesn't even really register, you know, it's just so it doesn't, it seemed to occur to him that, Hey, you know, I could ascend with these guys and, and, and then I don't have to face all that stuff. Right. So he just sort of takes it for granted and we do too.
0: So I I think it's kind of a, I guess if we're sort of,
1: it's a little moment of sacrifice that doesn't really get acknowledged. I think.
0: I guess if we're sort of conjecturing about that, though, because you're right, we don't we don't really like we don't know is that actually something he's thinking? It could could be. Yeah,
1: and I don't know um, that I I don't know that it is because I think it's so reflexive. That's well, but
0: what I was going to say that needs to be
1: thought about.
0: What I was going to say is that, but we don't know. Like maybe he's already thought about it because maybe because yeah. we know that this was the plan before, so maybe. Sure it was a temptation for him at one point. And and then he decided, no, I can't let that happen. I'm going to take this moment and do whatever is done with a moment and right. Kill everybody. Yeah. And so
1: whether, whether he's put a lot of thought into it or not, it's still, I think either way that's, you know, it's not, yeah, he doesn't want to die, but he's also there's, he's willing to face it in the face of, yeah. These worst things, I think. Um so
0: Yeah, anyway. I I didn't I didn't pick up on that, but I you know, it's possible, I guess. I don't <laughs> um, The um, the only other thing so with the Time Lords that I want to make sure we talk about is the woman. Yeah. Um and well and and I guess, you know, going back to like you said, you know, Rassilon doesn't really like people objecting to him so like (laughs) he kills one person it's easy to get the votes you want if you just kill the people who disagree with you like that seems pretty straightforward to me yeah sort of an emperor palpatine rule of you know effective plan yeah
1: um
0: the uh so you know he kills the one person and then like the two people who vote against him he makes you know you get the you get the mockery of the weeping angels mm, there yeah. um and and which is great cuz then when you see her pull her hands away from her face um important i think because you, you, he says that it's for shame like that's that it's supposed to be be a shameful thing that they're doing right that yeah. they're covering their face and at the last minute she pulls her hands away from her face. One, I think sort of implying that she's not ashamed. She's not ashamed at all of choosing and voting the way that she did. But you also see that she's actually weeping, you know? And so like, whereas the weeping angels aren't really weeping. That's, that's just the name they gave them because they cover their face. So, so to get that moment of her actually having tears streaming down her face um, and recognizing of course, that this is the woman who's been talking to Wolf and, um, giving him insight, the you know the question, of course, which we don't get an answer to, is who is this woman? Yeah. Um, and I know there are several possibilities. So go feel free to add on to any that I may miss. Mm. Um, but you know the first thought is he has said before that he's had children mm. at one point, and so could maybe perhaps be a child or it could Mm -hmm. be a spouse with whom he had children. Mm -hmm. Or um, I think you've said before, like you said, like the first doctor traveled with his granddaughter, right? So maybe a descendant of some kind beyond a child, you know, granddaughter, great-granddaughter, some, I mean, 900 years, you know, how many generations have there been since the doctor? So that's like if I were betting money and if there is a real answer out there that would be my yeah that is no that and i think a relative of some time but either a daughter or granddaughter possibly wife
1: yeah um pop yeah the popular kind of speculations are exactly that you know either susan the granddaughter or or a, a spouse or another child a mother
0: potentially yeah um another one might be- and actually i may i think i thought that first and i said well but even if i mean she's a time lord too i guess but they could have regenerated differently and you know like yeah I, we don't know yeah, how no, long the he's been traveling
1: the age doesn't necessarily right. reflect actual age um right. another potential could be romana who was a time lady companion from the classic series um so the only other... Oh,
0: Time Lady, right. Time right. Lady. She you know be one a time of the lady.
1: One of the other female Time Lords that we mm-hmm. know um, was Romana. Um, and I think it's very pointedly, obviously, not answered. And actually, I have a copy of the shooting script. Um, yeah. And one interesting thing in it is um, a little textual note that, you know, it has Wolf saying who was the woman, and um, Davies writes in the shooting script, the doctor just looks at Wilf, at Sylvia, at Donna, in the distance. Friends, mothers, brides, he's not saying. So I like that he kind of flags mm. friends, mothers, brides, that these are, you know. Potential,
0: potential answers. Potential
1: answers, and that it, you know, he doesn't answer, but clearly, whoever she is, she's somebody very close to him, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody that he, it means a lot, you know to see her and that knows him well enough to kind of give him the answer in that moment of, you know, send us back into the time lock, do it. It's okay. You know, and, 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 and he does it without committing the act of murder. He doesn't shoot yeah. anybody. He, yeah. he kind of puts everything back in its place. Um, mm-hmm. And she kind of gives him, You know, in a very kind of companion like way. She shows him, you know
0: what he needs what he needs to do. Yeah. So Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, well and so we need to talk about them. I don't wanna talk a lot about the master, but we need to talk about Mm -hmm. the the parallelism between the doctor telling him to move step out of the way and then shooting the white point star. Yeah. Right. Um Mm -hmm. the or diamond or whatever and and then, you know, momentarily after that, when the doctor is about to get killed by Rasl you know, and of course, that's the only reason why the other person got killed was to demonstrate that Raslan could kill you with, you know, by pointing his hand at you, whatever. So then the master, you know, tells the doctor to step out of the way and blast him with his, yeah, pal- you know, Palpatine hands.
1: Yeah. Um so, yeah, and that's been point I've seen people point that out that we kind of see a blending of the doctor and the master a little bit because we kind of talked about how the doctor echoed him with his the laws of time are mine and they will mm-hmm. obey me. You know, and then in this in these episodes, the master's still pretty crazy, but mm-hmm. he's a little bit more sympathetic. He's a little bit you kind of Yeah. You kind of feel for him in his craziness. And we kind of learn that the, you know, it was all the fault of the Time Lords in the first place. Right. Yeah, and you definitely
0: get more empathy you, you, from you get that. More,
1: yeah. You get more empathy. And he, you know, reciprocates these self-sacrificial,
2: mm-hmm. not
1: only sparing the Doctor's life, but kind of going down with the ship in his place. You know, he tells mm-hmm. the Doctor... He doesn't take the Doctor down with them all. He says, get out of the way, you know? Um, so you get a little bit of, you know, as the Master... Yeah you know, a good guy, you know, is up for debate, but he's certainly, that's kind of a, her- yeah. for the master, that's kind of a heroic note to go out on.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and so maybe a little more about the master, because I want to go back to, you know, the earlier, like right in the beginning, the conversation, you know, the doctor, you could be so wonderful. You're a genius. Mm-hmm. You're stone cold brilliant. You are, um, you know, and talking about, you know, what he could, do with the gifts that he has and whatever. But then um, you know, he the, the master asks the doctor, okay you can help me with the noise stop? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you get that, like it's a call for help. It really yeah. is. And that's ultimately all that he's trying to do this whole time. And yes, he's killing lots of people and yes he's doing lots of bad things. But you realize that it all goes back to this moment when he was eight years old when he was a kid. Yeah. And You know, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but I mean, that's it's child abuse, what they do to him. You know what I mean? Like, this is the thing that that happens to children who are abused mentally or in other ways, you know, that it affects them their entire lives. They continue to have that, you know, uh, whatever happened to them, you know. Affect them and at times control them and sometimes drive them crazy, you mm-hmm. know, or or at least affect them mentally in various ways. Uh, you know, driving them crazy might not be the PC term or whatever, but sure. um,
1: certainly dra- drove the master a little bit crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. In this now, case, and like, you can it,
1: definitely, yeah, we get like the origin story. You know, that mm-hmm. it's not just that he's cruel um although he kind of is and it's not just that he's crazy although he kind of is it's also that it was put there right intentionally By you know that there's there's a culprit you know he can point to the time lords and say this is because of you and you did this and what are they willing to do to yeah you know to live at any cost you know again like the themes of these episodes are clearly what will, what lengths are you willing to go
0: to, right, to, right. to survive? You well, know? And, and so then you get that moment of, you know, I don't know what I'd be without that noise. Mm. And there is a sense of the master saying he'd be something lesser. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there, you almost get that sense. Like, like when someone says, well, I don't know what I'd be without, you know, yeah. such and such like that, that, always sort of comes across you know that phraseology comes across as sort of like something bereft right you're missing out on something it's it's not like you're in you would be incomplete without it but like you have to wonder like without the noise would he have been just like the doctor Mm -hmm. because like that seems to be you know like what the doctor is saying you're a genius you could be beautiful you could you know we could Travel the stars together. You don't have to yeah. possess everything. You could see all of time and space, and that's ownership enough. You know, and and you have to wonder like if he didn't have this constant beating in his head and this constant need to, you know do what he does because of it, would he end up, you know, be like would they be buddy buddy companions together, you right. know, two out of the six Time Lords flying in the TARDIS like it's meant to be blown kind of thing so yeah there's there's this real sense of sadness that that this is what happened but on the other hand you can't that doesn't necessarily just become an excuse for him to do the things he does it's it 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 it, you, you know it's tough it's one of those tough things that you just you understand it but you can't let it go You know, and just let him do whatever he wants because of it, of course, so. No,
1: he's definitely a villain, but a sympathetic villain, I think, especially at the end. Especially in the
0: end, where he does have sort of a redemption.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, Both, both sympathetic in that we understand a bit more why he is the way he is, but also... That he does something self-sacrificial, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in that way, kind of sets the template for the doctor a little bit, you know, kind of a reminder of this is what heroes do, you know, is not put themselves first; they put other people first, mm-hmm. you know, which I yeah. think is
0: well, important. yeah, <laughs> with with wealth, especially, yeah. <laughs> right? Like a very timely yeah, a reminder. Cou- a, a couple minutes later. <laughs> um,
1: yeah Yep. Yeah. So uh, how um disappointed were you when the four knocks were wealth instead of the master
0: when oh man, I will point out mm-hmm. that I was kind of right in a way
1: you were sort of right, yeah, because you were kind of
0: i it was in a, I mean, in a
1: in a oblique sort of way yeah i
0: won't. I, I won't take full credit, obviously, because I, I thought it was going to be something to do with a gun or, you know, he would have to stop him like physically somehow right, right, and, right and cause him to die or start regenerating, whatever. Yeah. So I didn't predict that half of it, but that it was Wilf who caused it. Like, it's not just yeah. Wilf. Like, I think and that's there's an important distinction there because it's like you can you can think of like. Oh, Wilf! He's the one who knocks, and so it's a signal that the doctor's going to die. But that's right. not—that's not quite it. It's, it's not just that. He, yeah. He's knocking to be let out of this thing into which dangerous radiation is going to get pumped any minute now. So he becomes the cause. But
2: yeah,
0: again, he's the cause because he was saving someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 this horrendous thing, and that it is that all right. My literal note reads for Knox, it's Wolf. God damn it. <laughs> you know, like it's just like, yeah, I, when I saw that, I was just like, what the heck? You know? Yeah. This is... Well, and
1: then on the second, on the second watch, you realize that when he goes in the booth, the doctor is telling him, no, don't do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and yeah. then you forget about him, you know, right. you get all wrapped up. Right. In Cause it's all, lord there's all this,
0: stuff. right. There's all this time yeah. lord drama going on. Um,
1: yeah and then and then you know they kind of said in the comments it's like that is Doctor Who again down to it's, it's, it's all epic sci-fi drama and then it just crashes down to the domestic again and to and that was apparently Russell's plan all along he didn't quite know the circumstances but always for the the 10th Doctor's regeneration he wanted it to be this really big sort of crazy epic thing in which you think it's this you know, the doctor's death, and then it would come down to something, you know, saving one person and something mm. very simple and personal. And I think, too, it's very resonant with um his l- kind of disturbing lines in The Waters of Mars about little people, you know, that mm. like I've saved mm. some little people, and there's a kind of poetic justice that he has, he dies by saving a little person. You know, Wilf isn't, you know, we love Wilf, and, and I think he is – the Doctor's wrong when he says he's not important. You know, clearly, Wilf is important, but he's not important in the in the obvious way. Of, right. It's not – he's not an epic person. He's as – Well, it, he's, he's important – To the Doctor, you know? <laughs> well,
0: I, I was going to say he's – And because everybody's
1: important, you know?
0: He, he's important because he's a little person. It's not like he's a little person, therefore – and <laughs> – Keep saying little person. Obviously, that term has multiple connotations. Yeah, I but don't like, mean like that. Like, I just,
1: like, I'm just I'm just quoting the doctor. But yeah,
0: no, no, no. I I think it's it's because he's that person who's not important, which yeah. is what makes him important. Because you know, you get the speeches before about you know the most important person in the world is an ordinary man, right? Yeah. um And was that to Pete that he said that? I I don't remember yeah. exactly. Um or or
1: to Mickey. You know, it was like Mickey, you know, the most Mickey, any idiot can save the, the idiot. world kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, throughout you get these, you know, hints and and you know, confirmations that it is exactly those people who are considered little or unimportant who are actually yeah. the most important. And even in this episode you get him. Um, you know, you get Wolf saying to him, we we must look so little to you. And he says, I think you look like giants. Yeah, you know, like that's, line. you know, that's that's the exactly what we're supposed to be thinking of. So when you get yeah. to that point where he's ranting, you know, look, just leave me, Wolf says. Yeah. Okay, right then, I will. Because you had to go in there, didn't you? You had to go and get stuck. Oh, yes, because that's who you are, Wilfred. You were always this, waiting for me all this time. And I just because I ha- obviously we don't know exactly what the doctor's thinking, besides, the, you know, I mean, obviously he's thinking what he's saying at this point, but there's got to be part of him thinking, like, but that's me too, right? I'm the one who always goes in there. I'm the one who always goes and gets stuck, because yeah. that's who I am too. And yeah. so how can you blame Wilfred for being yeah. any different from the doctor? Well, and like which, you
1: said, like, like you said with the companions, like I think in *Girl in the Fireplace*, you said this when he tells Rose not to run off, and then she runs off. It's like clearly he wants her to run off. That's why he has her as the mm. companion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He he wants Wolf to be the kind of he wants his companions to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a good thing that Wolf came back and that yes. Wolf's there for him and trying to help him, you know. Um, and I think that's really what you know. Yeah, he has the moment of. Rage against the dying of the light and all that kind of rant against against your own fate and I think the disappointment of like feeling well two things I love that moment when he realizes he's alive and he he's on the floor and he does that kind of Hmm. it's somewhere between a laugh and crying (laughs) so it's like you can't quite tell if it's like the relief and it's a little bit of both Um, sure but that and so you kind of get the his happiness in that moment which is completely dashed when he hears the knocking you know that yeah. again oh, that yeah. slow pull around and reveal and,
0: and yeah everybody who's watching that immediately knows goes, it's because oh. it's it's the you know da, 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 the, the, the knocking you know like, and he oh, knows
1: okay. and the and the strings and the music do that screechy like oh god kind of mm. thing um but i love to like after the kind of big angry rant I love the way that the camera, it's been on the doctor while he's yelling and throwing things and everything, but then it cuts back over his shoulder to Wilf just being very small and quiet and still in the booth. And you realize that Wilf is hearing all this. Like, how awful for Wilf that he's being told that he doesn't matter and that he's, you know, all these things. And you kind of get the moment of the doctor realizing, what the heck am I saying? You Mm -hmm. know? And I love that line about, he just kind of stops and says, oh, live too long. You know, and, and it's kind of like, yeah. I also thought the connection back to his lines about a longer life isn't always a better one. You know, that, yeah. that acknowledgement yeah. of, you know what?
0: Right, in the last I'm talk I'm talking yeah.
1: crap, and this is crap, and it's time, and
0: yeah,
1: here we go. You know, and kind of, I've been talking about how I love people and they're important and, and I do anything for them and they're giants. And it's time to practice what
0: you preach, you know? Well, and, and you get that sense that he's, you know, he's having a tantrum, you know, it's not fair. I mean, come on, a five-year-old says that, you know, literally. And that's, you know, so you get that moment that he's thinking about that, you know, the, Oh, I've, I've lived too long, but there's, there's a parallel later there. Right. Um, right before he doesn't he say something along those lines um before you know before the the i don't want to go and all of that uh mm-hmm. what is he what does he say i can't find it uh, off the cuff here. what
1: part i don't know what you're talking
0: about um there's a sort of a parallel to the i've i've lived too long later as well i thought but i'm not finding it off hand so maybe
1: um,
0: maybe i'm not maybe i'm not right i don't know um okay anyway well,
1: no earlier maybe you're thinking of this earlier in the episode he talks about sometimes i think a time lord lives too long
0: oh maybe that's it and that it's could be it. a
1: callback to because it's like he's said that you know he because yeah, it's yeah. what he's talking about he's talking about adelaide and and all this the the stuff that he did that you know Yeah, he's taken lives, and he's also manipulated people. Right, right, And he's not happy with the way his life is going at that point.
0: Sure. And he
1: kind of admits that maybe it's because I've been living for too long, you know? And you get attached. You know, you get attached to life, and you start to get, like, a Time Lord who is willing to do anything to survive, you know? And that Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of, don't be like them, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. maybe if you get like that, you've become too attached, and you've been living too long, and it's time to lay it down. Um, and especially for Wilf, you know, to yeah, to to put yourself, for, you know. I think David Tennant said in one of the interviews, "Who wouldn't sacrifice yourself for Bernard Cribbins?" You know, like this is Wilf we're talking about. Of course, he has to go in there.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and 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 of course, he gets to that point of, you know, it. It's an honor, you know, like yeah. it, and he's on, and, but again, you have to go back to their earlier conversation because you have Wilf saying to him, you're the most wonderful man and I don't want you to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's so, you know, there's all these like round, round and round going back and yeah. forth between these different sentiments there. But um yeah, you know, I mean, this is the, Right. He goes through the anger stage, right? So we've had right. the denial stage yeah. of his grieving where he goes off and right. marries Queen Elizabeth. Right. And right. We've right. Had or, the, or I
1: would include the pushing the regeneration into his hand as part of denial as well, you know.
0: Sure, sure. Like,
1: broadly, you know, I would yeah. call that the start of the denial I mean, I don't, stage.
0: <laughs> I don't think there's clear cut delineation so yeah i mean i think that definitely fits too but like yeah like this is the anger stage this is the i'm raging against the universe and there's literally nothing he can do well i mean he could he could not save will but then what does he become he becomes exactly what rassilon says you know at the end of your Last last thing that you do before you die is you're going to be a murderer, and of course he ends up not being. He shoots the star thing, and then, right. but now right. he's but, got will there, would make and him so no better
1: than the Time Lords, you know who right. will who, who will destroy other things so that they can
0: live. Exactly, you know exactly, and and you still have that in the back of your mind that he's a man who never would like. Yeah. Making Wolf stay in there while a bunch of radiation pours down on him is is just as bad as holding a gun to someone's head and pulling the trigger. There's no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Um, The one sort of thing that I... So, okay, so he gets to the end of his rant, tells Wolf it's an honor, does his little countdown thing and, you know, presses the button and gets the radiation. I guess... We've seen him take radiation before. Obviously, yeah. it was much less Yeah, and I think radiation. that's kind
1: of basically what we're supposed to understand is that... What you was can't it, like, just run, shake runken, it out of his foot Runkin radiation. We used to play with Runkin bricks in the nursery. That that was like yeah. toy radiation, and he can expel it into his shoe. Yeah, um, yeah. But this is like an overdose. Yeah, this like is an atomic dose, bomb's so. yeah. worth of yeah, radiation. Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know...
0: Um, which is uh, who interesting am I, who am
1: I to argue with the with the yeah well time lord radiation.
0: physiology is a mystery to us so time lord, um,
1: yeah physiology the
0: uh the you know so he gets sort of like the equivalent of radiation sickness though right, so it's not right. like he doesn't like die immediately, he kind of goes through a a process yes. of you know slow wasting slow away degenerative yeah. death yeah yeah, yeah. um.
2: Yeah,
1: which I think we're supposed to get to with when it finally... Because you see all the farewell tours kind of more from the companion's perspective. But then Mm -hmm. finally, when Rose leaves, it switches to the doctor's POV. And you get that very fuzzy... You kind of get what he's seeing, which is everything Mm. is out of focus and falling apart. And he's falling down and and
0: hunched over or whatever. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, Wow. Wow. And there we go. So I you know, we should at least mention Donna. (laughs) Um, I just... I'm not... Other than to say we had Donna in the last episode, I'm not sure what her point is, (laughs) honestly.
2: Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... uh, I mean, I guess if you have her there in the background, why not use her, kind of? Sure. And I think, again... I think her role was more important in the first one, obviously, because I think, again, it was that scene in the cafe. It's her. She oh, yeah. Needs, she needs to be there as the symbol of of the companion that he is, you know, needs but can't have. Yeah. So but once this episode starts, she, we kind of don't really have time for that. So we has to kind of find a way to
0: knock her out side, for the whole episode. Pretty and... much.
1: Um, then wake her until up her we at the end. until we pick her up again for the for again to be the for kind the of, gag yeah. yeah and and yeah and and again to be part of that farewelling thing
0: yeah well Where, no again, the 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 they're weddings, all symbols of that the wedding though. makes sense like I get that I just the whole like she's running around and then just has like this weird little explosion thing and falls yeah. down like it's like. It would have been nicer if they could have worked a way to have that into like helping the doctor somehow. You know what I mean? Like just rather than, yeah, she doesn't do anything. No, no, and that's true. So I don't. Whatever. I mean, minor, minor criticism. Yeah, and 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 I think
1: and I think tough because how do you have her involved without making her involved because she can't get too involved because she can't remember. Right, so. well,
0: I mean... So it's kind of Because she's weird... trying to get to Will for something and, yeah. you know, whatever. So yeah. anyway, that's fine. I don't want to spend a lot of time no. on that. Just I like her little,
1: um... Did I miss something? Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That she's kind of a little bit aware that she's sort of missing stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. anyway. Um,
0: cool. so. Well, so here we are at the... End Mm. of the Davies era. And uh gonna head into Moffitt and Matt Smith. Moffitt
1: and Smith.
0: And I, you know, and this is so this is Yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, okay, I'm definitely going going through that new doctor syndrome, you know, whatever. But um at least I know I like Moffitt. So like I'm interested to see how the story shapes up and and I and I'm interested to see how Matt Smith, um, you know, plays the character. I will reveal this to you. Mm. My daughter, my 12 year old daughter um, is ahead of me now by like a season or more Mm. uh, in Doctor Who. And she loves Matt Smith. She keeps telling me the 11th doctor is amazing. I love him. Yeah. You need to watch it soon so that I can talk to you about uh-huh. it. And I was just like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, it's good. He okay. it
1: comes recommended.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know there's a lot of people who like him, you know, Absolutely, just yeah. out, out in the world, you know, and, and we'll, I know there's also that dichotomy you've sort of brought up before of the Davies versus the Moffat era. And I, I would imagine that some of that also has to do with the Tennant and the Smith eras sort of coinciding with those. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. And not not exclusively. I mean, I think there are people who might, there are those kind of people who maybe say they prefer the Davies era, but they prefer Matt Smith. You know, so there might be some.
0: Or, right, they like, like Davies' first, story, yeah. stories, but Smith as the actor, you know, or whatever. Kind of. So
1: there's some. It's not like it's not a totally either or thing. And there are the people, the crazy people like me, who I feel about Tenant and Smith much the way I feel about Moffat and Davies, which is sure. Uh, you know, great. they both in, have
0: their good points. They
1: both they're great in different ways, and I don't want them to be the same. You know, if mm-hmm. if Matt Smith is just a cheap Tenant knockoff that's kind of lame. You know, I'd Mm kind of rather he be different. And I don't think that those differences are necessarily improvements to the character. They're just different, Mm -hmm. you know. And and I think there's some ways in which, just like Moffat and Davies, there's some things which are similar and then there's some things which are completely the opposite. So um, we can definitely talk about that. I am you know, a fan of all of them. So,
2: <laughs> sure, sure.
1: so I, but I did, that's kind of why, so you, I, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to talking about the era. I kind of can't wait, but also that's why I want to acknowledge this kind of death metaphor, because I think as much as we can be excited about the new doctor, I think it it's also sad when the old one goes away, you know and and you sure it you do have a very complicated weird thing of being simultaneously grieving and also really looking forward to the next thing, you know, mm. and that's just part of how it goes,
2: um yeah yeah,
1: so yeah, we're yeah, so far over time, it's not even funny, but anyway.
0: <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up, but we should start talking. about It is. About Angel. It is the
1: end of the Davy. You know, total end of the of everything we've had so far in the yeah. show. So if like, only
0: if only we were gonna do a whole episode on the end of the Davies era, which we are. Quiet. Um, oh, was that a secret? But Oops. no,
1: I mean, look, look. The head writer's leaving. The executive producer's leaving. A chunk of his production team is leaving. The main actors are all leaving. Um. So, this is, we've said, you know, they've changed the cast every year, which is pretty mm-hmm. bold. Um, this is, you know, the biggest change we've seen so far. You know? Yeah. that A whole new production team and a whole new cast. So, yeah. you're effectively canceling and rebooting the show, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> so, anyway, you know, I think, I, I don't feel, uh, regretful to spend a few extra minutes on it, um.
0: Sure. But, anyway. Cool. We should All right. talk
1: about Angel now, I
0: yes. guess. Yes, yes, let's do so. And so, where would you like to begin?
1: Uh, well, um, I kind of want to start with kind of the general tone of the episode. Um, mm-hmm.
0: you know, a lot of... Oh, the light and airy tone?
1: The light, the the chipper tone, which this, you know, after the death of the Doctor, it's good that we have, you know, something happy to look forward to. Right.
2: Um, yeah, go luck. But,
1: um... So, you know, the the episode's called Lonely Hearts, you know, and it deals with mm-hmm. all these kind of lonely and, and depressed people seeking out any sort of glimmer of consolation they can in this sort of yeah. sad dive bar, you know. Not in, his, in any
0: way like the Doctor in his farewell tour.
1: Not at all. Um, well, at least the Doctor went to people he knows. These people are looking for solace with anyone and whoever, complete strangers, you know. Um, And so it's all about this kind of crushing, you know, soul-sucking loneliness. Um, Mm -hmm. And you get, you know, all these kind of dark overtones of, um, you know, these, you know, kind of the metaphors of people who take advantage of people like that, you know, kind Mm of a, you know... Either emotion- yeah, like
0: the pickup artist. And yeah, the, either, yeah, either
1: emotionally or sexually or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, and this kind of longing that all these characters have, you know, to make a connection, to meet somebody, to have something real and fulfilling and to find only creeps, you know. Um, and, you know, I kind of think it's summed up by Angel saying you know because they're looking for somebody that needs help they don't know who they're looking for and angel says did either of you sense that anybody here needed help tonight and cordy says yeah everybody you know mm-hmm. which i think kind of sums up the episode that it's you know and it's sort of the reason why doyle's a vision doesn't give him one particular face because it's not one particular person that it's, that's right. in trouble it's everybody it's yeah. everybody in this in this horrible yeah. place so
0: you no, know, um, that's a good point. I don't think I ever quite thought of it that way before, but I think yeah, you're right. I mean that like, kind of
1: only occurred to me on the second watch. you know, but it's not yeah. it's not like it's Sharon you know it's mm. it starts with her, and that's what you're led to believe but um, you know last time he very specifically got a name and a face, whereas this time it's just this mass of blurry people you know and mm-hmm. and Cordy says everybody here needs help yeah. um so. I thought it was interesting to have all that, you know, kind of thematic stuff, because you Mm. mentioned to me last week that this story replaced another story, which was deemed too dark.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So, I
1: found that when I watched this, I'm going, huh, you know, I find that a little... Oh, I also wanted to make a connection to Torchwood, um, because it reminded me a lot of the early episodes of Torchwood when, oh. when, you know, it's the spin-off yeah. of a well-known series and one, which is targeted for a slightly younger audience or maybe a more, not younger, but, but more of a all-inclusive audience, a family, yeah, of, yeah, you know, where you could, you know, be an adult, but you could also be a teenager or a child and, and get it and enjoy it and everything. Um, whereas, Angel and Torchwood seem to be both as these spin offs going out of their way to declare themselves as adult shows, you know, and to make a contrast between. I don't know that Angel goes quite as over the top with, the, with it as Torchwood does. And I think mm. part of that is because Angel, it's only an hour later than Buffy. So it's not like it's at this midnight post watershed hour sure. or anything. Sure. Um, and it's on network TV. You know, they can't get yeah. as explicit and, with with the language and the sex whereas on bbc at 10 o'clock you can say the f word and you can have more explicit yeah um sexuality and everything um yeah, so it and, doesn't it doesn't i think torchwood gets a little carried away with that at times so i don't think that angel because of those restrictions it's not allowed to get quite that graphic
2: Right. But yeah, um, but I
1: think it's still going for kind of the same it's kind of acknowledging, you know, that it is it, it's letting you know we're in a different space. We're for a slightly different audience. And, you know, if episode one was setting up the characters and the situation and the themes and everything, episode two is kind of really saying, here's what we're about. And what we're about is not the same thing as what Buffy was about. Yeah. Um, and in Torchwood, you got something very similar. You know, the first episode is the team coming together. But the second episode is very similar to this. It's the one where there's something like an alien's going around and having sex with everybody. And it's right. like... Like
0: until they die. Until
1: they die. And it's, yeah. and it's, you know, guy on girl and girl on girl. And, you know, and it trumpets it sort of pushing the envelope very yeah. loudly. So, like... Not that Buffy doesn't deal with any issues of adulthood or sexuality, but sure. Buffy and would it,
0: never do an episode and like gets, this. Buffy gets, you know, dark at times, too. But it does. Yeah, it's, yeah and it's I don't say that as,
1: like, darker isn't necessarily better. You know, it's just a, it's an adjective. It's not like a qualifier, but, um, but I can't see Buffy doing an episode quite like this. Um, sure. At least not at this stage in its development. Who's to say when they're seniors in college, maybe that's different, but um but I think this is kind of a a way of telling the audience this is the kind of show we are and and we're maybe different than what you were expecting if you're expecting Buffy two so yeah. um anyway, I wanted to make that comparison, and then I want to hear a little bit about whatever is known about this this missing. Episode, because I do think it's interesting that something else was too dark, and this was clearly acceptable by
2: comparison,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a great point and and you're right about like the stuff you said about like the w b you know and it's a little bit later, so you can get away with a little bit more you know adult theme and and even a little more language, although not the f word given you know the u s yeah, uh, yeah, federal communications commission, you know, policies and all yeah. that. But, but you can still get away with maybe a little bit stronger language and whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point, the WB is a pretty new network still. So yeah. they are kind of actually looking to push the envelope, but not, not nearly as far as like you said, Torchwood Twitter or whatever. Like it's, you know, pushing it incrementally and just kind of seeing what they can do. So, um, the well, original. What, I
1: recently listened to that Tim Minear interview. Yes. And, and him kind of saying, too, about, like, Angel and Buffy, being on a smaller network allows you to kind of get away with the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like, when you're not on CBS and you don't have, like, gigantic viewing figures, it's like yeah. kind of people don't care as much what you do. Like, they're yeah. not hovering and... over you. So it allows you the freedom to be a little bit more... Um, you know, experimental and a little bit push the envelope. And they're
0: targeting a narrower demographic and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um well, and good thing that you mentioned Tim Minear, cuz I'm going to be quoting him in a minute. Um <laughs> because he was a producer uh on Angel and yeah. um one of the so the the episode uh the original episode uh was called Corrupt. That was going to be the second episode of Angel and um it was going to do a number of similar things. It was going to talk about sort of the loneliness and, and introduce Kate Lockley as a detective. Um, But where, where the really more darker stuff comes in is that, um, you know, instead of sort of investigating, because you get the sense throughout the story that Kate's sort of investigating, you know, this murderer, the serial murderer in the nightclub, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even though there's some earnestness to her, um, you know, to her talk with angel in lonely hearts, you know, you still get the idea that she's still kind of like looking for this guy, right? She talks about tracking angel and whatever, like, like she was doing things sort of in the background, um, in, in corrupt in the original story, she was going to be infiltrating a underground or not underground, but like a, uh prostitution ring, mm-hmm. um, Infiltrating in such a way as to the point where she actually, like, is working as a prostitute Mm -hmm. and has a drug addiction, um, you know, because she takes drugs while she's under, you know, uh, undercover or whatever. And, like, you know, just this really, like, spiral down into, you know, this character who's really hit bottom and, and all of this stuff. So, um... In, and Tim Minear, you know, he talks about, you know, David Fury, who wrote the episode in, and wrote the uh, the corrupt episode as well. So he wrote corrupt first. And then when they realized they had to change, he came and wrote Lonely Hearts, um, mm. you know, uh, in which Kate was a police officer working undercover as a prostitute, eventually became um, addicted to crack. This was the first episode after the pilot and it was written before. <laughs> um this is sort of the important part. And I, actually, I'm glad you mentioned my interview, but he, uh, he says it was written before the new staff arrived, the new staff being Tim and, uh-huh. and a few others. So um, we didn't really talk about this much, but I, I do want to mention, I guess now that about half of the writing staff for Angel came from Buffy. So, yeah. um, you know, inc- including like David Fury, like there, there were people who, uh, had been working on Buffy and so kind of had their ideas sort of, you know, cause David Greenwalt and Joss Whedon were sort of talking about this stuff leading up to the end of Buffy and we see how that whole thing wrapped up to sort of provide the way for Angel to jump into his own show. So you had these writers who were preparing for, um, yeah you know, preparing for Angel that were coming from Buffy. But um, in that interview that you just mentioned, Tim Minear actually talks a little bit about that because he says it was kind of like, you know – like Buffy does, like moving high schools in the middle of high school. Like Mm. you, you know, you go to, uh, you know, this new school or whatever, and you have like the cool kids are already kind of have their click. And, and of course the cool kids are the ones who came from Buffy. Tim Minear is the newbie. This is his first collaboration with Joss Whedon. It's like a hazing period for him, Yeah yeah so it just becomes right it becomes and and hard to sort of break into the ideas because they're already so familiar Mm. with what they're doing and where they're going and and all of that stuff and like you see like david jerry already had the script so um uh tim goes on you know uh it was written before the new staff arrived. They just went incredibly dark and and it was decided at the end of the day that it was just a bit too hopeless, a, a little too grim. Yeah,
2: um,
0: I actually want to bring up, too, that there was actually a scene in um, the first episode that was going to be uh, in there originally that they cut um and and you know i mean it's the pilot episode so of course it probably got written and rewritten and rewritten a couple of times but one scene in particular um the scene where um tracy is it is Mm -hmm. her name who dies Mm uh you know she uh tina tina oh right right and uh she uh so you get the scene where where um you know you have her facing the the vampire guy right and he yeah. kills her and then angel bursts through the door mm. but she's she's dead right, right, you, don't, right. you like yeah. you think he's gonna save her but she ends up being dead and there was gonna be a concept there where they were actually gonna have angel see the blood and like lick it off her like arm or something like this really like you know, like what he does earlier, like in in the, in the episode with the girl, and you know, he kind of sees the blood and he turns away, and you know, like, yeah, um, you know, but but that was like another thing. So so you do get the sense of with the writers here, I I think a couple things you get the sense that they're definitely going for dark, like yeah. there's no question of that. Sure, but you're also seeing that they're kind of realizing that maybe. They need to even rein themselves in and yeah. and the yeah. WB, I'm sure, helped out a little bit yeah. with that too. Well, like, I mean
1: and and generally with these things, less is more. So, yeah. you know, not a bad thing to want to go darker or more complex or more challenging or more adult or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. But that doesn't mean that you don't exercise thoughtfulness as to when and how to deploy that. You know, because a lot of times, you know, when you do kind of rein it in, then when you have something really dark, it impacts you more. You know, if it's... And I think that's maybe where Torchwood got a little carried away with itself, is it's so into its own darkness and adultness Mm -hmm. that it gets a little bit assaultive. Like, you kind of feel a, a little barraged by its... Yeah. By its... um graphicness and its nihilism and everything whereas i think probably the fact that they had a more you know they had more rules as to what they couldn't could and could not do helped the writers of angel i would think you know exercise okay you know only do those moments of darkness when they really matter you know save them for when it's really and not to say that this episode isn't plenty dark on its own Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the whole thing has to just be one depressing no beat after the other because that kind of starts to lose meaning Mm -hmm. you know you have to kind of have an ebb and flow and everything
0: and you can definitely see that's where cordy comes in (laughs) and spades you know with her sort of humor and and ability to, to lighten the mood either intentionally or sometimes sort of more obliquely, but yeah um, yeah. yeah so i yeah, I will say yeah. I will say that um the the having to rewrite and reshoot uh, the episode actually caused a delay in in the initial start, so I think i don't remember if we talked that that the show didn't actually start till like october October fifth oh, 5th. oh
1: okay. um. So we're not exactly doing this in transmission order then, but not that that's a problem, but what do you mean? Buffy had already been going at this point. Is that
0: no Buffy Buffy? No, it was, it was in transmission order. Oh, Buffy okay. didn't start till October either. Oh, okay. So they they were they, started they, co- they coincided because remember we talked about like how they um, replayed like the the first right. or the last two the graduation right. day episodes. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: shot and everything. Yeah.
0: And then got into yeah. so so Buffy started in October too. So we are doing it in okay. in transmission order, um, but but the uh, right. Well, but that was affected them, by you can by see them
1: trying to to figure out the tone and the purpose of the show yeah. and everything. Um, and that's, but that, that was affected that every new by show goes through that.
0: That was affected by the, you know, the, the rewriting and reshooting and all of that. And, but the, you know, the interesting thing is so that we're talking fall of 1999. So mm-hmm. internet exists mm-hmm. in a much different form than exists today. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have these chat rooms and forums and stuff where people were speculating because of the delay, like, oh, is the show canceled before it even starts? Right, and, you right, know, like, right. you know, all this stuff. So so it did kind of have that, you know, like the fan intrigue element. Uh-huh. Um, there are a few elements from Corrupt, the original story, that do get used in later episodes, but they're – and even like in this episode. So, you know, you still have Kate Lockley who's a detective, yeah. you know, kind of undercover but also kind of troubled and and – you know yeah. trying to figure out how to trust men and that kind of stuff. So, you know, broad stroke some stuff gets yeah. reused, yeah. a few other elements get reused in in like later episodes, but I don't like none of like what I told you about corrupt is like ever true in a later episode. Sure. So like I don't even know based on the summaries that I've not read the actual script. Maybe it would be clearer if I went through and did a line by line thing, but like I don't I couldn't tell you what gets used again later. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, none of this is like spoilery. Yeah. Uh, Corrupt is obviously because it was never actually produced. Um, it's not considered canonical or anything. So right, right. just sort of more intriguing from a production and, mm-hmm. and tone and all of that sort of, uh, you know, cause uh, line there. So,
2: yeah.
0: All right. So to actually talk about the story, mm-hmm. uh, why don't we like, get the monster stuff out of the way. Yeah. And then I think we go yeah, through the characters.
1: No, cause definitely we're kind of, again, in the monster slash metaphor of the week, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, um, again, you know, dealing with this idea of like what <laughs> angels line cracked me up about demons that, that want to prey on young singles. Um, but mm. I don't know why that made me smile, <laughs> but it's just a, a demon that would, Target young singles, yeah,
0: because um, it's looking for a connection. Yeah,
1: no, so you you definitely get this kind of overtones of um, sexual predators or even STDs. You know, something that that yeah, that well, that's what
0: I was thinking. The thing of. that affects more the STDs, yeah, like, things
1: that affect the whole kind of community and pass like a like a disease, pass from person to person, and um, mm-hmm. perpetuates in everything. Um, so, but I like the way that you don't kind of uh, figure that out right away. Um, as it starts with Sharon, who, you know, as soon as we see her, you know, kind of blonde, shy, you know, vulnerable, sitting alone at the bar, and this kind of smarmy guy comes to talk to her, you know, your 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 gut instinct is like, oh no, you know, she's in trouble. But then... You know, I immediately start looking for the, the catch here, because, um, you know, last week we had a blonde, vulnerable damsel in distress, mm-hmm. and it seems like Joss isn't one to overuse that trope. Um, sure. And and I also well even and I, going
0: back to the first episode of Buffy.
1: Well, and you know. I and and immediately I opening scene. Well, immediately you know because I so I start thinking okay this isn't as simple as it looks we're not going to have yeah. another blonde victim here. Um. So then immediately where my my mind goes is welcome to the hellmouth because not only do you get in the first scene you get Darla you know mm-hmm. who subverts that trope and is the um. The predator, not the prey. Um, but then you also have Buffy, who's another blonde, you know, girl who turns yeah. out to not be a victim, but you know, this kind of ass-kicking superhero. Um, you know, so absolutely, what I was thinking was she's the monster. You know, she's the villain. She's looking all enticing and easy, yeah. like an easy target to to lure this guy. You know, to lure some kind of willing unsuspecting guy in um, and and that seems to be at first what it is you know because they go off together um, and then you see them you know and, and again she's getting up to leave but I thought all that's manipulation she's leaving so that he'll ask her to stay you know that this mm. is all her way of you know getting him where she wants him and then you see that he's dead in the bed and she you know gets dressed and we right. see her at the calmly bar later putting
0: on her calmly shoes. putting on her stuff
1: and and from that moment on totally transformed you know she's not you know in the first scene she's very kind of mousy and not a mm-hmm. lot of makeup and conservatively dressed and everything whereas from that point on and then again when we see her in the bar she's very voluptuous you know you get like the red dress and lipstick and very you know, yes. styled hair and very confident and, you know, all these things that she wasn't before. Um and, and then I think that's when you start to realize that it's something that has transformed her as well, you know, and that it's passing from, you know, and then you get the confirmation later when she lures the guy, you know, the kind of another meek person, another mm. easy target, someone who's not getting a lot of action you know he she kind of goes for someone kind of like she used to be um lures him in and then it passes from her to him so you know by that time you get the confirmation that oh okay it's not any one person that's the monster it's this parasite thing that's passing um Mm -hmm. from person to person so anyway i like the kind of slow reveal of that you know and i did i didn't I can't say I guessed what it would be, but I think I was right in anticipating that Whedon and Greenwald and David Fury are a little bit smarter about using cliche. You know, they don't, that they want you to think one thing so that they can fake you out and everything. Um, so. Sure.
0: Yeah. And you know, overall the monster isn't that, um, compelling per se. Like, I mean, it it's a there's a there is I guess sort of an intriguing idea of like you know a demon that's looking for companionship you know like yeah. looking to be it's lonely so it's trying to find the right body but of course each one that it goes into isn't quite right and so right you know but leaving it again ends up killing the person so like right, right. you know well and you
1: kind of get again like just like it, it, it that's part of that's another metaphor that it could be doing is that kind of the emptiness of the, the kind of the bar scene of just right, going, of the one from, night
0: stand. going from yeah. meaningless
1: experience to meaningless experience and and looking for something that's fulfilling, but you're never going to find it that way. You know, right. um, I think that's part and that's kind of what the, that I mean, the STD thing in, in the way that it physically passes from person to person, but like. The character of the monster, I guess, kind of goes with that, that kind of the addictive part of that lifestyle of, of the way it perpetuates itself and isn't ever really going to be satisfied, but it doesn't know what else to do. So it just keeps looking, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you know, and I think part of it though, too, is to sort of get angel and kate an opportunity to make a connection right yeah. so it's it's you know the two of them together sort of investigating on different things you, you know you get the uh
1: well and again from again, angles you're looking, or whatever again you're looking for the twist with kate because she's another lonely shy blonde girl you know it's the good like, like right, it can't right. be this simple
0: and it's right. not you know she's it turns out she's undercover. a detective yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway um and and you know to get because they're both, you know, sort of in the same boat. You have Angel, who's having a hard time trusting people, right? And you have yeah. Kate, who's, I, you know, even though she's sort of undercover, I think we can sort of take her at her word when she says she's not good at, like, trusting people, too. So, yeah. you know, especially considering that that's something, even after you know that she's a detective and Angel calls her, she's not trusting him, right? So right. it's, it like, that's yes she's using it as sort of a line to signify to potential predators that she's weak and vulnerable but um it's also kind of true <laughs> right so right. um you know you get this you know you get this sort of interesting um search for both of them where like if they were both just earnest and trusted each other and once they do get to that point yeah. they find the killer and can stop him but like until until they can do that you know it's this sort of you know again like this first date kind of feel to it of yeah you know i am looking for love but i don't know if i can trust you to be the one to give it to me kind of thing like you know yeah. so it's that that whole feeling each other out and trying to get to know each other, but not one to reveal too much about yourself until the other person does, but then they don't want to reveal too much about them, themselves, And yeah. until you do. And, you know, so it's just, this kind of weird back and forth.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And some of it, I mean, definitely, I think there's definitely, we're meant to understand that it's not all an act, right? Like some of her insights are definitely true, you know, and, and the best, the best lies have a little bit of truth in them anyway, right? Like, you know, she's going to be a better actor if she puts a little bit of herself in it, you know? So I don't think it's all, like you said, just a line. But I actually kind of was glad when some of it turned out to be, you know, when you kind of got that sense of her kind of feeling him out to see is he Mm -hmm. the predator or not? Because some of it I felt like, She went a little, you know, her kind of, woe is me, self-pitying kind of, it it got a little, but then if that had just been her character, I kind of wouldn't have been too impressed. But the fact that it is, she's trying to get him to talk about stuff and to see what's he going to do. And is he going to ask me back? And, and if I, you know, if I give him an inch, you know, what's he, how's he going to react and everything? So I kind of like that i I like having that those sentiments can still be true, you know the mm-hmm. loneliness and the kind of difficulty in the isolation, but her not having her be kind of so um desperate as she started to come off a little bit in the beginning
2: yeah um, it I, well I, and- I,
1: I it makes me more kind of intrigued about her and like her a little bit more as a character and everything
2: I think,
0: yeah, and there's that sensed in the beginning too that they're both sort of outright lying to each other right, right she's an right. undercover cop yeah and he says he's a veterinarian yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know so so there's yeah there's kind of these different layers to that um not just in how they act but in what they actually even say to each other yeah um yeah. and again it's not until you know it's revealed that no, she's a cop and he's an investigator and they don't trust each other right away but at least that begin you know that's there's like several opportunities for fresh starts right yeah, you know yeah. they they make these um claims like well, well let's start fresh you know again and
1: right and you definitely get that at the end that she yeah she once you know i don't know that i think they've kind of maybe for the immediate future it's a little too awkward to kind of get involved romantically. You know, they're kind of like,
2: Mm. you
1: know, not quite as into each other as they seem to be right at the beginning because they both found out this stuff, but you get the sense that they're happy to start fresh that she did, that there was a connection and that they, now they're, they realize they're, they could be working together. They're on the same side.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. And and you get, I mean, it, so I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say that we will see Kate again. She's not going to be in every episode or anything, but right. you know, she's well, going to be someone who's sort of an ally and, for and Angel to have to,
1: to go again with more Batman stuff. I kind of thought, could she be the commissioner Gordon of the series that like, <laughs> is she the, the connection with the local police who sort of is the only one who's in the know of their mm. secret vigilante and is secretly feeding him information and working with him on the side, well, you know?
0: And, and the other side of that, though, is that she doesn't know that he's a vampire. This is true. So. This is true. You know, there's. Well, but, there's,
1: but Commissioner Gordon didn't necessarily know that Batman is Bruce Wayne. So.
0: Well, yeah. I, you can take the Batman analogy as far as you want. <laughs> I'm just saying from a, you know, no, trusting. Still, and, right. She still and, doesn't know the full story. And, yeah. yeah, giving each other, you know, starting over fresh or whatever. Yeah. Um. I would just point that out. So, um, right. That's true. Uh, I hadn't really
1: thought it that way, but the way she says, start fresh, no secrets, but he still has right. secrets from her. You know? Right. And
0: she reveals that, you know, Oh, I went illegally right. into your house and search searched your place, and whatever. Yeah. And, and you know, like there's that moment when she's like opening the fridge and it's like, Oh, she's going to find like pints of pig blood in right, there, right, you know, right, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. But she doesn't apparently, or, or, she may see cartons but not know where they are or yeah. whatever. Um so yeah there's yeah there is that sense of she's she's saying okay let's start fresh but he's still keeping a secret. He
2: still has a secret. Um, and yeah.
0: she might be too. Like we don't right. necessarily know that she right. is or isn't. Um just that she's saying she's going to start fresh. So yeah. um I don't won't say one way or the other but anyway. Um yeah, we kind of jumped all over with the two of them, I guess. Uh, and well, and you brought up Batman, so I have to. So there's a <laughs> couple, right? There's with Cordy and the cards in the beginning, you you have Doyle saying, oh, you know, it's not like you have the a bright, signal, you man. know, signal that you can shine in the sky. But then also I love when they're trapped in like the basement and angels, you know, all like, oh, we're going to go out through that window there. Right. And he gets out his little utility yeah. thing, you know, yeah, with, yeah. In front of his, boom pulls down the supporting beam and he's just yeah. like uh in case like uh and just goes and shoots the lockout
1: yeah again there's that that's like jumping into the wrong convertible right like that's the subversion yeah, yeah. of the genre moment and yeah. and totally like the lame batman you know like he's, right. he's batman and with a twist of real right. reality you know
0: This is an angel with, like, you know, mechanical spikes coming out and stabbing two vampires at the same time. You know, that's cool and effective. This is angel, yeah, kind of, yeah, just not working out so well. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, yeah, good stuff there. Um, I don't think I have anything else for Kate. Anything else for Angel that you wanted to sort of talk through? Um, I mean, I
1: guess the only thing... Is that the the book ends of him sitting in the dark, you know, and you get mm. Kate talking about it's either, you know, how do you meet people? It's either you subject yourself to this or the only alternative is sit at home alone in the dark. But you get from Angel that he kinda likes it that way. You know. Um, <laughs> just a little it, it he seems very content. And peaceful. And when Doyle turns on the lights in the beginning, it's like an irritant. You know, it's like he kind of winces like, oh, come on, man. And then at the end, he sort of tries to do right by his friends by offering to go out with them. Um, But he's very, very relieved when they say, you know, it's okay. You can just, we'll go home. And you can just stay in the dark. And you get that moment of, oh, God, yes, thank you. Um, um, and he has a little smile on his face as the camera pulls away. So, yeah. Um,
0: I, I was just going to say, so, yeah, no, I'm glad you pointed that out because I definitely wanted to make make sure we talked about the, the bookends. I, it feels to me like there's a slightly different quality to the first and the last. Hmm. So, like, in the beginning, it feels to me like he's – very much the sort of disgruntled, you know, um, not really wanting to talk or see or do anything with anyone, yeah. um, you know, and Doyle, you know, oh, let's go out with God and and Angel's kind of irritated by that. So, you know, at the end, obviously, he doesn't really want to go out either because he's like, yeah. oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, like they go they go home and he's like, yeah. yeah, I didn't really want to. anyway. So you still have that component, but. I get the feeling like by the end because of the fact that he's actually made this connection now with Kate Lockley that it just it just seems like there's a sort of a slightly different quality to it now. And so you get that, you know, he's still a lonely heart right to go with the the headline and so is Kate, but you kind of get the feeling that like because they've made this connection that there's something a little bit better, not much, not, you know, it's not world shattering, whatever, but yeah, it's, it's, they were, they, all the crap that happened this episode, they still kind of got to a point where they could be friendly and, you know, rely on each other and that kind of thing. So like, I do get a sort of sense that, that, it's not exactly bookending, right? Because there is a slightly different quality mm. to to how to the dark brooding in the beginning, you know, from the yeah. slightly less dark brooding. Yeah, at the end. no,
1: definitely, it is definitely because he does have that slight, slight smile on his face at the end, and mm-hmm. and not like in a not in a bitter, oh good, they're gone kind of way, but like mm. in a genuinely content and peaceful, and you kind of do get. He did make a connection and he's, you know, a little bit relieved of some of the loneliness, even though he is alone mm-hmm. in the dark. It's sort of like some of the connection that he made has eased some of that loneliness a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still mm-hmm. not the guy to go out partying, but the connection did seem to help in that way.
2: Yeah. um, And yeah.
1: definitely more more peaceful than the kind of like grumpy broodiness of the beginning of the episode definitely
0: um one other so i guess the the other sort of superhero batman related thing too is i love that when he when he's trying to explain to kate why he's in the bar and he's like i, I i'm just looking for someone to uh rescue yeah yeah <laughs> like are, are you
1: in are, need of some
2: rescuing
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just he's like He realizes how absurd it sounds, but it's what he's doing. So he kind of has to say it, you know, and it's just like, and, and well, that's the strangest line I'm going to hear tonight. You know, it's kind of like cheese, dude. Yeah. Not only are you like a slime ball, but you're like the worst of the slime balls, (laughs) like of the people who could hit on me. Um, But anyway. Um, Yeah.
1: No, his awkwardness is kind of a, unquenchable well of <laughs>
2: yeah. humor
1: you know um yeah. getting him to say you know especially when you put him in kind of flirtatious situations mm. um his lack right. of smooth is very funny
0: <laughs> i love uh yeah so that when they're outside the club like the second night and uh he's like trying to explain like why she shouldn't go yeah, into yeah. the club, and she's like well where are you going sure. In
2: In the
1: club. Yeah. 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 Right. And he realizes how that sounds. Like (laughs) like basically you just told her to go away wherever you're not gonna be. You know? Right. Why don't you go away so that I can go inside? That's kinda how it comes across.
0: Yeah.
2: Um
0: Um So Yeah, no, there's I I like that they're sort of building on Angel's repertoire of humor because Yeah. We did get a little bit of that in Buffy, but not much. I mean, other than the, you know, I'm a funny guy. (laughs) Like, you know, that was hilarious because it was so deadpan because normally
1: he's not not a funny guy.
0: So, like, now I I like that they sort of build and try to... He is still somber. He is still serious. But he is at least trying... Like, they're trying to sort of give uh, David Boreanis a little, you know
1: little Maybe more to play with. Maybe a little yeah. more
0: colorful character yeah. in that regard, well, you know. And, and, um,
1: and it stops it, from, again, like the darkness. If it's just dark, 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 dark all the time, yeah, that's kind of boring, you know. You want to mix it up. So it stops it from being just, I mean, dour brooding Angel's fine when he's a supporting character. But when he's your lead, you can't just have a dour brooding lead yeah. all the time. So I think I like that they kind of realized, actually, his broodingness is kind of funny, you know, and we can have fun with that. And he can still be brooding. He can still be awkward and completely socially inept. But we can have some fun with that, you know, and that doesn't have to be a one note kind of thing. Like you can do a lot with that. Um, Like you can actually have it be kind of sad and funny at the same
2: time.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, the other the other thing I like and maybe this we can start talking a little about Cordy, too. Yeah. I, I like in the beginning when she brings the cards in and he's like he's like trying to be like enthusiastic yeah, about it, yeah. but he just does not Has get any idea yeah. what is going on with these cards. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, there's a, you know, our number and and. Uh, a butterfly yeah, yeah. like what is this He's
1: like hoping that she's gonna jump in and rescue <laughs> yeah. him and, he and she doesn't yeah
0: yeah um but yeah no cordy with her like sort of upbeat entrepreneurialism yeah, yeah. you know getting the cards and then passing them out in the club yeah. and you know all of that um is just great stuff and and her I mean, she's still sort of the same old Cordy, right? Because she just says what she's thinking, you know, yeah. right there. I love that, like, you know, <laughs> she's like, I don't want to come into work tomorrow. I'm fine that you're, you know, evil. <laughs> you know, it's like, right, you know, right after this whole spiel about, you know, how he will lose his soul again, you know, if he
2: yeah yeah
0: whatever has a moment of happiness so um
1: right you must be the loneliest of all you
0: know yeah yeah (laughs) because you
1: can't even not only are you lonely now but you will be lonely forever
0: yeah You know. right which is like actually this kind of great insight you know that she's recognizing this but at the same time it's like completely she doesn't have the sensitivity to to actually
1: like recognize that that's a sensitive thing you know exactly
0: um um And yeah, and the same laugh. thing
1: about same thing Sorry. with her dismissal of Doyle. You know, if if, if that was my gift, I'd return it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like
1: your your gift is kind of lame, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, she doesn't
1: have a lot of respect for it or for him, seemingly. Yeah.
0: Or for demons, which no. gives him some consternation. Yes. Uh, given that he's half demon. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, and her complete lack of computer skills as the like administrative assistant for the office, you know, this is is our, this is our,
1: uh, yeah. Our admin. Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um,
1: no, she is, she is a very, a breath of fresh air, you know? Um,
0: yeah,
1: I'm sure we'll get, you know, deeper and darker stories with her as well, but she adds a nice, note of humor to the whole
0: thing yeah and we don't get a lot of i mean because there are other you know you have um the other sort of females kate and and sharon and and um the unnamed asian woman uh you know to kind of focus on but yeah we'll get definitely get more from cordy i think there's just sort of establishing that you know again she's kind of, in a way, just same old Cordy, you know, willing right. to sort of say what she thinks and not hold back, so uh, you know we already know that Cordy has depth so I think they're sure. not really like exploring that at this point but yeah. they'll yeah. they'll get to that um, and then Doyle, yeah, you know Doyle, we see him actually get his vision so, you know, we see sort of how painful it. I, I like that like it's like Cordy kind of hits him playfully and right, right. then he's like bowled over in pain totally and overreacts has yeah, yeah. nothing to do with yeah. her hitting him of course yeah but,
1: yeah um, so was it is it just a coincidence that it happened then it's not like she tri- yeah. she didn't trigger a vision no. or something
0: no and i think how the visions work will become clearer as okay. time goes on but yeah it's i think we're totally meant to read that it's just it was incidental it came right at the same moment that she yeah. kind of hit him um, so yeah, nothing, nothing too important there. Yeah. And, and Doyle, well, I guess I would throw it back to you. Like, mm-hmm. what do you see like in Doyle? Cause I, he's kind of the new main character. Right. So I right. don't want to the like, one
1: I don't know anything about. Um, um I guess kind of, I mean, we got that hint of his attraction to Cordy last time and we definitely get more of that this time, mm-hmm. but, um, you kind of get, you know, at the beginning he's very. Just kind of enthusiastic. Like he wants Angel to talk him up. You know, he wants mm-hmm. to go out with her. He tries to feel out. Tries to maybe convince her to not dismiss all demons. You know, maybe some yeah. of them are good guys and all this stuff. But you kind of get... She's not thinking of him that way. And and doesn't seem yeah. to be interested really. And kind of when he realizes that, you get a little bit more of like sparkiness from him. That he gets mm-hmm. kind of it gets more to like a more of a combative relationship, like a, like a Beatrice and a Benedict or even like Xander and Cordy, you know, where, Mm. you know, he kind of criticizes her, like, you know, don't hand out the cards like that. You know, we have to fly under Mm. the radar and, you know, um, you know, and you get a little bit of bickery back and forth with them kind of, you know, arguing a little bit, telling each other off. He kind of makes fun of her, you know, crappy apartment and she's disgusting and all this stuff. So, you know, I guess that's a slight difference, you know, or a slight change, you know, is that, you know, when she doesn't immediately reciprocate his attraction, he kind of, he doesn't, like, become instantly mean to her or anything, but, like, you get a little bit of, not tension exactly, but but a little bit of, like... Um, bickeriness, I guess, enters the relationship a bit. Like he Mm. kind of starts to argue and, and criticize and, and they get a little bit um, more combative towards each other, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I don't know whether that'll, you know, continue. At what point does he, you know, how long does this, Go on. Does he try some different tactics? Does he, you know, does he start to, like, get annoyed at her for not feeling the same way? I don't know, like, where that's all going to go. But, um. Yeah. Anyway, I just kind of noticed that. It kind of went from his sort of very enthusiastic just wanting to get her, you know, to think of him that way to kind of seeming a little bit frustrated. Um yeah. So. Well,
0: and and like I, I like that you pick up on the combative stuff. It's not even like just with her, right? Because he starts basically. Well, he is over... the
1: the Irishman in the bar, and of course, yeah. yeah. Well, and also, yeah. I mean, and that's in defense of Cordy, so it's not like he's, you know, right. it's like someone, another man, insults her honor, right. and he has, to, you know, like you see his, you know, kind of, you know, wish to defend her and right. his affection for
0: her there you know right and this attempt to sort of claim her she's with me no right. i'm not yeah. <laughs> you know like, like
1: offended by that idea yeah, yeah.
0: um i yeah. so i just have to say to that line up uh, that doyle says right before he starts the fight he goes everyone just simmer down here okay violence isn't going to solve a thing on the other hand it is kind of festive and he yeah. you know lands away. So like. Totally reminded me of Firefly, you know, uh, Mal, where he goes, well, they tell you never hit a man with a closed fist, but on occasion it is kind of hilarious, you know, like that that whole sort of, you know, give you the sort of common wisdom and then just totally ignore it.
1: (laughs) And then just throw it out the window. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Well,
1: and you kind of get the idea that he kind of said that to put the other guys off their guard so that when he like lays into them, he's at a slight advantage, you know yeah um so, sure. yeah, no, and he's clearly a kind of hot headed sparky little Irishman, you know that's kind of the he he's more angel jumps in to kind of give him a hand, but he seems to be more of a wild card than angel, angel's mm-hmm. much more deliberate and and less quick to to yeah. jump to the physical, you know,
2: yeah except um, except
1: against the monsters whereas doyle seems like he'll get in a scrap in a bar just if you piss him off you
0: know yeah well and yeah and that's what I was going to say like at least in this instance you have doyle like last week you had him sort of complaining about driving the car right and going right you know to where the monsters are or whatever but like this week he goes right out with them, of course, it's to a club with Cordy, so you know maybe there's other incentive you know to go out, but you know right. it's he there's less objection to actually being part of the team and helping out yeah, and, no, they definitely kind
1: of seem like there are the three of them are you know officially the team at this point, yeah, yeah,
0: so anyway, cool, cool. well, I think we are <laughs> at time. Or well over it. Um, So, any any final thoughts on uh, the second episode of Angel? Or
1: Uh, nope, that's everything I had. All
0: right. Well, then uh, we'll be back next week with a new Doctor and a new episode of Buffy. So exciting! Yeah. Until then,
2: see you then.